Jake, I'm already in the doghouse early in the morning. Hmm. Let me, may I try to guess why you're already in the doghouse? Sure. <laughs> Don't sound so excited. Yeah, just, just <laughs> dumb Kevin walking out the door this morning. Um, you, your wife is upset because you're going to Cincinnati to start building a statue. Boy, I'll tell you what, the Benedict Matherin crew is going to have two projects on their hands here <laughs> very, very soon. And I do love the name Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, that's part of it. The other part is, you know, Max right now is waking very early, uh, 530-ish. And so Maddie was like, hey, do you mind if he like comes downstairs with you in the morning, just kind of hangs until you leave? I'm like, sure. So I kind of just got under the impression this morning for some reason. I'm like, oh, if Max is up, then everybody's awake in the house. And I slammed that door shut yesterday or today quite, quite loud. And next thing you know, Maddie's sending me a picture of Rosie in bed with her and Max. So the entire Bowen family awake at 630 this morning. Uh, not good by Kevin Bowen here to start this Thursday. But then I remember what was happening in Cincinnati, and I said, who cares? That's right. Did you slam the door because you thought someone was up, or you ac- it was like one of those accidental, like, ooh, that was louder than I meant He was trying to replicate the bat speed of Ellie yes. De La Cruz. All, all of the above. All of you are spot on with it, but I would say, Mark, in general, I just ass- I forgot about Rosie. I assumed everyone was awake. Well, I'm sure she's going to love hearing that. Yeah, she turns three here coming up this weekend. Now, I am not in the doghouse, the yin and yang of this program this morning. I'm not in the doghouse because, Mark, you got on me because on Tuesday I had to jog my mind to remember a certain milestone. Do you recall? Your mother's birthday. Correct. Now, it wasn't that I didn't know that my mom's birthday is June 6th. While we were actively starting June 6th, I had forgotten that the date was numerically the 6th. However, last night at about 1130, the lovely Shannon says to me, do you know what tomorrow is? Oh. I had to jog my memory for a mm-hmm. brief second to mm-hmm. recall June 8th. Mm-hmm. 18 years ago today, our first date. Oh. Look at that. And I remembered. I remembered. How was the Waffle House that night? <laughs> that is an gr- underrated date spot. 24 hours. You could go at any, at any time. I see a lot Draw of fantasy football there. losers <laughs> on that. And happy anniversary. Thank you. If you will. On that, shout out to busy, Shannon for putting up with week. you for 18 years. I told her our relationship can now vote, right? There you go. Yeah, that sounds like a very Jake Quarry so your, thing to say. Your mother's birthday, <laughs> yours and Shannon's birthday. You have a daughter who's having a birthday. I have a daughter who's having a birthday this week. This is a busy week Look for this. Your daughter's birthday? Uh, the 10th. Emma's, daughter, turn, Emma's turning tenth, four. Her 10th birthday or? No, she, on the 10th is her fourth birthday. That's cool. I feel like that kind of fits the news cycle for the week. Yeah. Like, it's been such a newsy week. It, it has been. And it continues here on this Thursday morning. Good Thursday morning to you. Obviously, still a little bit of haze hanging over the Midwest. Certainly, everybody in the East Coast thinking about that. And Boy, saw New York some, City, man. Uh, postponements in Major League Baseball. I was kind of curious about the Belmont on Saturday. I mean, again, I, I understand there's obviously much more, bigger things to think about. But from a sporting standpoint, I, I'll be curious to see if the Belmont indeed uh, runs here coming up on Saturday. Uh, Last night in Miami, the Denver Nuggets with a pretty championship-type effort there, especially in that third quarter. Uh, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, absolutely outstanding per usual. 2-1 lead there. Colts Complex yesterday, I'd say the most up-and-down day we've seen from Anthony Richardson so far. 
Uh, we'll, we'll touch on that with the rookie quarterback. Uh, Shane Steichen played the game of no comment very well yesterday. Honestly, I think Zaire Franklin told us more than Shane Steichen told us yesterday. No Chris Ballard, right? No Chris Ballard. Um, I still think once we get clarity on it, Jake, once we get a punishment handed down, I think Ballard needs to speak to the media. We'll see if that happens. Did you see the report? One of the Lions players that was suspended. Did you see why he was suspended? Yeah, and by the way, we're going to have Dave Burkett, who covers the Lions, join us. Mark, that's 745 740. 740. Um, looking forward to that because the Lions have had a handful of players involved in gambling violations. Jake, I assume you're referencing the Jamison Williams. Correct. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, bet on a college football game while on the road at a team hotel. Correct. It's part of the parameters. Anything team related, plane, facility, hotel, you cannot bet, period. Period. Again, disagree with it all you want. At times, I'm like, really? Team hotel? Walk across the street. Go across the street to the Waffle House. Place your bet there if you want to. I thought EJ Speed said it perfectly yesterday. And EJ Speed, to me, Jake, is very reminiscent of, I should say very similar to Isaiah Rogers in that they're both day three picks. They both came from small schools. They both have had promise in their young careers, but nearing a second contract was always something that um, they were trending towards, but obviously would be huge for their respective lives. And EJ Speed says on the gambling education that he has received, what I got from that is just don't gamble. It's not worth it. Seems pretty simple to me. Yeah, I mean, if there's... it. I guess if there is question, you just don't. Do, you know what I mean? And again, I mean we're talking twenty five, fifty dollar bets with Isaiah Rogers. So again, we'll get more a little bit in the, into the Lions situation because I do think of all the teams in the NFL right now, they've dealt with it the most as we still await punishment for Isaiah Rogers. I would say the other news item, Jake, that I wanted to get to with you was probably about lunchtime yesterday, and that was Ed Carpenter Racing and Connor Daly mutually parting ways. I thought the Ed Carpenter side of the press release was uh, rather emotional, I think, for Ed. Uh, I don't don't know if we call Ed an an emotional human, but clearly, um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he called it the hardest decision of his professional life in that press release. Jake, I'm in an IndyCar fantasy league. So I think I, I think most people that listen to the show they think of Connor Daly like oh yeah the hometown kid that usually does well in the Indy 500. That's kind of the Connor Daly thought I think for the casual sports fan like oh yeah Connor Daly another top ten of the Indy 500. But Jake pretty much every other race of the year you just pencil him in for 18th. Yeah, he struggled to get results for sure, and so I actually did message with both parties ed and connor daly yesterday didn't get into specifics as to why and that kind of a thing um with connor daly you know i just simply said you know i basically asked him if he wanted to come on the show um and he said you know for right now understandably you know hey there's there's a lot going on probably not right now but i appreciate it understood um 
I think it comes down to the fact that there were I don't know. I mean, it would be disingenuous for me to say that there's anything that was a motivating factor. You could probably look at it, Kevin, and say, was there something that happened behind the scenes? Was there a sponsor type thing? There was an article that came out just before the 500 where Daly was interviewed by Motorsport and was talking about how he would be open to taking his sponsorship to another team next year. You know, did did that settle in a bad way with Ed Carpenter? I don't know that. I would understand if it did. I don't know that that's it. The reality is that there is enough just based on the lack of results to be able to say that it's understandable. Not Maybe that's not Connor's fault. I would but, say to be fair to Connor. The average finish and the, where he is in points are towards the bottom of the grid. Yeah, again, it's pretty much 18th, 19th, whatever every week. To be fair to Connor, it's not like Renus VK is finishing 6th every race. Correct. And that would be his teammate. Correct. That's that's the thing is that I talked to another person yesterday not named Ed Carpenter or Connor Daly that said, "Look, the reality is that the team overall it's been a disappointment. It's been a struggle." This is from Ed Carpenter again yesterday. This is the most difficult decision I have made as a team owner because I respect Connor and know what he means to IndyCar and its fans. Our team has not been performing at the level we are capable of this year, and despite making technical changes and investments in the offseason, 2023 has been extremely challenging. I put a great deal of consideration into the current state of our team and realize it's my obligation to our employees, partners, and supporters to do whatever is necessary to elevate our team's competitiveness. We sincerely wish Connor continued success and will cheer him on wherever he goes next. We are seven races, I think, into the season. So this move leaves 10 to go. So I would guess, Jake, that Ed Carpenter Racing looks at this as a time of the future with Connor Daly was not going to be there. And now we get 10 races to try a younger driver. Would that be the assumption here? Yeah. My assumption would be, there are two names that come to mind, but I think that the one that's the easiest to, to point towards here, Linus Lundquist, who was an Indy Lights champion that's now known as Indy Next. When you win the Indy Lights championship, you get what's called scholarship money. So he has, I don't know if it's 750000 I think, uh, like essentially prize money to help lift you into the IndyCar series. Now, I would assume that money is still there, and, and for that sake... That may be a factor as well. I mean, it may be to the point where the Connor Daly has sponsorship money attached to him. I don't know the amount of that money. I don't know the terms of that sponsorship. And I don't know the the payment cycle of that sponsorship. But Linus Lundquist, I would presume, has that scholarship money with him. So it it could be a financial move as much as anything else. And Linus Lundquist is tested and I think is pretty promising. Not to say Connor Daly doesn't have skill, but I think that it, that Linus Lundquist is a a promising young talent that won the Lights Championship and then just there wasn't anything open. If they did like, let's say, how many races do we have left? I guess 10, I believe. Yeah, I, I was going to say, right. if, if Lundquist's thing is like, say, a six car, or I mean a six race sponsorship or something like that I, I would think and i've not i have no idea the contractual status of this person or whatever else but i would think ryan hunter ray would also be somebody that you would put in the mix in a pinch right well, i guess if you want to pinch money couldn't just ed do the ovals 
They're the oval. Ovals. Well, Ed will do the ovals. I, I, I did Ed do, yeah, but yes, to answer your question. But I think it, Ed's been a third car oval. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, again, I think for the casual fan, we just see Connor Daly and think top tens at the five hundred in the other twenty races over the last two years, just one top ten. So. Um, certainly moving forward, he will continue to look for a full-time ride. At the very least, you would think he would be a one-off in the 500, but Connor made it pretty clear yesterday that uh, the goal is to continue to race full-time in IndyCar. Um, your thoughts last night? I thought, again, Jokic and Murray, it speaks for itself. I thought Christian Brown was huge, too. Christian Brown played really well. Um, the Pazbo was good. I went over to my buddy Dan's house and we got our Basbo pizza. That's only the third time I think I've ever seen the Miami Heat lose when we've watched I love Basbo's games together. It is great. He um, was a little heartbroken then. Yeah. <laughs> with about with about four minutes to go in the game, we both just started kind of cleaning up stuff and putting away. Well, then, then, then it, it got like, awkward. Like Spolstra started cleaning up too. He put in the bench guys. Then all of a sudden Duncan Robinson hits a three to cut it to eight and I'm like, wait a minute, is he about to put the starters back in? There was like a 20-second period there where Jeff Van Gundy was like, I'm very confused why Miami is reacting like this, why there's nobody left in the arena, and clearly Michael Malone was panicking. Obviously, Denver was able to hold on for the win, but really, I thought the third quarter is where everything changed. It was a five-point lead at half yeah. while everyone the in Miami was... The first half of the third quarter in yeah, particular. Well, all the fans were in the concession stands and chumming it up with each other. Denver just punched him squarely in the mouth, and there was no recovery. Do you go with, and I've heard it both ways, and I think I've been saying it wrong forever. Do you go with Nikola Jokic or Nikola Jokic? I think I have said it wrong as well. I think I've gone Nikola, but Lisa Salters went Nikola last night post game, so I think I've got to go Cola. I think that's right. I also have been saying I'm, Jokic. I think I've had when he first came in the league. Pat. I I'm I'm almost certain that when he came into the league, it was Nikola Jokic, but it, but apparently it's Nikola. But but either way, um, I I keep going back to that tweet some guy sent that was so true that just said he's Greg Ostertag, but really Larry Bird. I I, I mean, but isn't he Stockton too? Yeah, I mean, isn't he Jason Kidd too? He just. He 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 looks so laborious and lumbersome that it's like this guy can't really be fluid, and he is just he is a step ahead of everybody. But a Kevin last night, I thought you're right. Christian Brown was outstanding, especially in the second half. But realistically, even though Jokic was the guy that was facilitating, obviously uh, Jamal Murray oh. hit big shot after big shot. I mean, every tough, time tough shot he did, man, and he's. You know he's a pretty he's a pretty likable player because he doesn't he's pretty quiet and steady Eddie but man when he is on he is he is a I mean he can hit from anywhere and you talk about the perimeter right now when they're not getting a lot from and I know Gordon's not really a perimeter guy but they're not getting much from Porter um, they they just have to have Murray delivering like he has and really when that game was kind of back and forth early on I thought Murray hit again big contested shots but uh, obviously away from home. Um, so it's the first time in NBA history that you have had, I, I think it's playoff history, that you've had teammates go for a 30-point triple-double. 32, 21, and 10 for Jokic. Video game. Murray, 34, 10, and 10. Uh, Jake, I've said this before about Jokic, and Maddie and I took our nephew to the Pacers-Nuggets game earlier this year, and 
Shout out to Eddie White. Got us some pretty good seats to that game. And when you watch Jokic, it's it's three levels for me. Obviously, he can score at an extremely high level. Obviously, he can rebound at a really high level. And then he also just facilitates and passes at an extraordinarily high level. No one does that. No one that's seven foot and two eighty does that. And what I enjoy watching about him is not, again, for the elite athleticism or whatever, Steph Curry range or insert why you like watching certain players around the league. I probably enjoy watching Jokic so much, Jake, because when he catches the ball at the foul line and you just freeze it, nothing looks open. Correct. Nothing. Yeah. Lo- it just looks like they're just running yeah. some offensive set and it's going to take 10 seconds for something to happen of significance. And then sure enough... Two or three seconds later, one or two dribbles, one little pivot by him, one cut by a guy, and boom, it's a layup. Or it's him shooting this little hook shot in the lane with great touch and it goes in. Or it's him semi-running kind of a fast break. It's just, uh, to me, it's rather breathtaking to watch. Yeah, he also, it is amazing when he'll kind of pull up like eight feet from the basket and like he doesn't really shoot it from eight feet he just kind of gently places mm-hmm. the ball in there like he has a very yeah. soft touch but it's like but he's he, throwing a cornhole bag it, totally he also occasionally has kind of a dirk type like step back i mean he's got a he's got an interesting game for certain but um it, it's hard to imagine and i know that one game does not a series make but 2-1 now denver up and when you consider that this means miami would have to go back to denver and get a win and do that again uh it does feel like it does feel like the Pacers and Nets are now going to be the last two ABA absorptions to not win an NBA title. Game four Friday in Miami. Obviously, we know we'll have a game five. We'll see about after that. So Denver wins going away in the second half last night in Miami. Uh, anything, Jake, Saudi, PJ Tour related yesterday that – Popped into your brain as the day moved along. Certainly Roy McIlroy's comments. We could play some of that. Um, but anything that we feel like we didn't cover on that end yesterday? It's a really good question. Um, I'm going to go back to what I said yesterday. The thing that's disappointing to me is that, and I get it. I get that people, that sport, you know, we live in a very political world. And... People turn to sports to get away from it. You know, it's why I watched a show called A Million Little Things. Thought it was a good show. And they had they went through a a, a couple of episodes and, and a storyline on it where they got into some of the social issues taking place in the US. And while I agreed with the show's approach and discussion of it. There was part of me that was like, I, I, I'm, I'm wanting to watch a television show to kind of escape the day to day, you know, just yeah. to, to for entertainment. You should watch Jury Duty, by the way, if you're looking for a big escape. Jury Duty, the Pauly Shore movie from the '90s. I, the, Jury Duty is one of the funniest things I've ever watched. <laughs> just a real quick snippet: they have a dude on the jury duty, and he thinks he's part of a like Netflix documentary style of what being on a jury duty is like. So the cameras he just thinks are there for an actual like documentary on it. What he doesn't know is everyone around him is an actor. 
and he's the one that's getting played. And the court scenes are hilarious. The people in the jury duty. So, so this is a fictional thing? Fictional, a- yes. Correct, fictional. And this came out when? Uh, I think recently. I think like the start of 2023. Okay. I have not seen Maddie Bowen laugh that hard in a while. So if you want a full break from it all, okay. check that out. Well, but anyway, so the so I, I do get that people watch sports to escape that kind of a thing. And this is now a political thing. And, and I my fear is that the the game of golf now it's going to go down political lines where it has been my observation that people on one side of the political coin seem to be okay with the you know well that was 20 years ago 9-11 and the saudis and da, 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 and then there are other people that refuse to to buy into that and and i just worry that it's going to become that the game of golf is now going to be hijacked by political polarization. That's my worry. Quite the word to use when you're talking about the Saudis, unfortunately. Um, with that, I, I thought Rory's comments were really interesting yesterday. I nodded my head at a whole lot of it. Um, and a bit of a shrug of the shoulders from Rory McElroy of, you know, as much as I don't want to, at some point you have to cave to the bully, especially when the bully has the amount of money that they have. But I think, and this goes back to our Will Haskett conversation from yesterday, if you're just strictly talking about the game of golf and what it looks like, what what, what does professional golf look like five, ten years down the road? You know, I said to Will yesterday, we're on lap two of 200, and Will's like, we haven't even started the race. And he's exactly right. Rory McIlroy's comments yesterday, basically saying, I hate live. I hate what that tour was about. I hate the competition aspect to it. I hate all of that. And then you have reportedly Greg Norman, who is a part of Live, saying to their employees last night, guys, Live is a standalone entity and it's going to continue to be that moving forward. And that comes right from the top. And the top being Yasser Al Ruman, or however you pronounce his last name, who runs their public investment fund, basically saying, you're going to have this for profit Live version of golf that is going to be there. And how that looks and how many guys in the PGA Tour will now play in those events and how those events develop global-wise, team-wise, that remains to be seen. Because Rory was basically saying yesterday, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, they caused litigation for our tour. They caused harm for our tour. They are not going to be able to come back without punishment. Well, I'll believe that when I see it. Like who is running the show right now? That that's the question I have. Well, is it like, is it the leader of the public investment fund who is the one funding all this money, or is it the PJ Tour policy board that has PJ Tour members on it and has voting power? To me, the man with the money has control. Whereas it seems like Roy McIlroy and those PJ Tour related right now, they seem to think they have control. And I'm just like, guys, don't be that naive. Here's here's Kevin. The other thing I thought. Number one, as I said yesterday, I I still want to know if this is a merger or a buyout. There's a difference. And number two, when I saw like Phil Mickelson and everybody saying like, this is just a great day for golf. The winner here is golf fans. So basically you are touting to me that you, that a solution, this is such a playbook from certain things of creating your own problem and then holding a parade because 
you're a problem solver and the, the problem was solved. Well, the only problem, the problem existed only because you created it. So the whole thing of like, see the, the golf fans win in the end. Uh, golf fans were just fine a year ago. I, golf was just fine a year ago. Like a problem was created by defections and then those that were causing the defection decide that they want to go ahead and like put the pieces back in place and then it's like see how wonderful we are well you're the one that pulled them out to begin with yeah you know and jake i brought this up kind of late in the show but i am curious and i don't know if roger penske is the right name to use in this but take out the nfl owners but just go to that next tier of professional sports owners how many people whether it was owners of leagues whether it was owners of franchises that might be struggling from a revenue standpoint, how many of them looked at what happened yesterday and said, oh, interesting. PJ Tour is going to be the first to kind of partner with the Saudis here from an American standpoint? Hmm. Yeah. That's going to... that. I'll, I'll happily be the second. I'll happily be the third. Because instead of being front page news, you know, for the whatever, for USA Today for the next week, it'll just be for a couple of days on that end. So that was the other thought now, that I had. So Messi reportedly turned down $1.6 billion from the Saudis to instead go play in Miami. Is that right? What, was that the amount from the Saudis? That supposedly wow. was the amount. Three-year $1.6 billion. Now, do you see what he's getting with MLS? Well, he's getting part of the Apple deal, right? Yes. Which is wild to think an individual player is getting part of a TV contract. Now, he, um, I think mostly he wanted to play in a beautiful stadium in Miami for, a, for an MLS team that is worth playing in as opposed to $1.6 billion from the Saudis and that is also incorporated in a new television package. He wanted to play in that shiny stadium in the MLS on the world stage as the world's most famous player in a stadium that is uh, like 60% the size of the one that Indianapolis is building for a billion dollars for a tier two team, right? 26 minutes it took me, Mark. Mm-hmm. I, I, I figured when I shared that link with you yesterday, that was probably going to come up on the show. Mark, just stirring the pot there. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's a percentage fair. On it's, subs- it's fair, right? Percentage on subscriptions to the MLS season pass from Apple TV, percentage of Miami shirt sales, possibility of acquiring an MLS franchise at the end of his career. You know, David Beckham did something a, a bit similar with LA back in the day, um, and it has worked out tremendously for David Beckham. And does I feel like Beckham has some ownership in the yeah, Miami franchise as he does, well, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the individual brands in soccer know what they're doing. Messi's team here certainly knows what they're doing and i think messi where he's from the part of the world he's from the you know again hispanic south american population that is in miami and in that region um certainly i think would help his cause there uh yeah very interesting on the the way front uh mike byron bingo card oh yeah great dude uh he points out there's an easy way to remember how to say Jokic's first name because it this is what he said. Likes to drink cola. The relief. Sounds like a video game. So it's that with an N. Nicola. There you go. It's very easy. You'll never forget it. Thank you to Mike Byron. Dave Burkett to talk about the gambling issues with the Lions, okay. how that okay. relates to the Colts. I got a little tickle in my throat, Mark. 
He's going to join anything, us. Anything I can take for that? God, the first thing. <laughs> He's going to join us at 740. Again, uh-huh. it's a nice start to this Thursday here in Indy. A little bit hazy. Well, it was. Uh, Dave Burkett, 740. Scott Agnes, 830. Zach Kiefer coming up at 9 o'clock. Kevin Aquari, 93.5, The Fan. Relief. The Nuggets over the Heat last night. A big, big third quarter. Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, both with 30-point triple-doubles. First time in NBA playoff history. That has occurred. So Denver up to one game four Friday in Miami. Uh, Major League Baseball yesterday. Reds 8-6 over the Dodgers. Don't look now, but here come the Red Legs. How about Ellie De La Cruz? How about that homer last night? He had a home run. How about the triple? 458 on the homer. How long would it take you to run from home to third base? Uh, boy, that's a good third? question. Uh-huh. 90 feet, so, you know. I don't know, 16 seconds? I'm running backwards know. on the... Longer <laughs> than that? In the proper order. Oh. He did, it, he did it in 10.8 seconds. And that was the fastest in Major League Baseball this year? Did I the, see that? Correct. Uh, second fastest for the Reds since or the fastest for the Reds since Billy Hamilton did it in 10.39. You know, I don't want to get too into like hyperbole here, but what the Reds are doing right now with De La Cruz, with the second youngest team in Major League Baseball, it's what the Colts are trying to do this fall. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Yankees, by the way, postponed due to poor air quality. So too was Detroit and Philadelphia. Obviously, the White Sox and Yankees or the Tigers and Phillies would not necessarily be significant in June, except for that to be postponed because of smoke from the Canadian wildfires is uh, both sad and wild. Angels over the Cubs 6-2, and the Cardinals over the Rangers 1-0. Mm, you skipped that the Orioles uh, lost and the Diamondbacks won. the Athletics so. won two in a row. Okay. Just saying. Okay, Brewers over the cute fella, 10-2. Convenient Athletics there. 9-5 over the Pirates. And the Diamondbacks, mm-hmm. 6-2 over the Washington Nationals. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Omaha Storm Chasers, 9-7 over the Indians. Quentin Nelson in the building tonight uh, for a Colts at-bat event at Victory Field. Uh, Stanley Cup final, Game 3 tonight. That'll be 7-30. Our coverage will begin here. The Golden Knights at the Panthers with Vegas looking to go up 3 Oh, on the other side, Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press. The Detroit Lions have been in the news quite a lot for their gambling violations here this offseason. It's a variety of them. We'll get a little bit more intel on how that relates to the Colts situation. Do that on the other side. So what Mark Dykton is saying here is if you are an NFL player and you are even thinking about in the hotel putting down a $20 wager on an app, on college football, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Is that That's exactly saying, right. That's very accurate right there. And I kind of feel like a little weird with our next guest, Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press. Like the Detroit Lions are probably the the, the team everyone's talking about. Boy, they're going to be the breakthrough team this year, this year. And the thought in having him on was to talk about all the gambling violations that they are dealing with. But granted, I guess that's 2023 in the NFL, right? Yeah. Uh, Dave joins us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Dave, we are now in the same boat that I guess you have been in for the past few months here. So welcome to the world of, or I should say, I am now in your world of uh, learning about the NFL's gambling policy. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly a new world. I mean, I, I was telling somebody the other day, I, uh, look, I don't know if the NFL has a, a gambling problem problem, or, or if everyone has a gambling problem. I mean, the uh, the ads, the apps, the everything is so prevalent now that maybe it's just become 
folded into the fabric of our society. And, and uh, look, I don't know that uh, all these uh, players have, have issues. You know, it's, it's okay, I guess, to, you know, to, to place wagers on table games or, or, or uh, you know, non-NFL games. But I, I do think it crosses the line when, uh, when you start betting on your own team in your own league. Could you educate us on the various lengths of suspensions for the handful of Lions players and, and what were the types of bets that led to the lengths that they received? Yeah, so there were four players um, caught in the initial wave. Uh, There's a fifth player from the Washington Commanders, but of the four Lions, two, DJ Moore, um, and... Uh, well, man, I'm just drawing a blank. Well, two, two of the players were um, suspended... Uh, Quintus Cephas was the other one, were, were suspended for betting on NFL games, and they were suspended indefinitely. Uh, and then Jamison Williams, who was sort of the headliner, of course, he was suspended, um, along with Stanley Berryhill, another receiver. He was suspended six games for just placing mobile bets on non-NFL games, and it was exactly what you were talking about. You know, when you place a, a bet from a, a team hotel, a team practice facility, uh, the bus on the way to the game, I don't know exactly what Jamison was doing. But those things all sort of fall under that, uh, uh, you know, that scope, and, and that's what what he and Stanley Berryhill were were found to have, have violated. Dave, I wanted to go back to because I, I think you're you're right on this. Well, I know you're right on this. the The sports gambling legality of it, the desensitized nature of it, and the promotion and marketing of it is now ubiquitous amongst the American sports culture. And mm-hmm. for that reason, it w- I understand why for athletes it would be a murky area of just kind of, you know, it, it kind of feels like, you know, doing 45 and a 40. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, but everybody, you know, that kind of thing. Everybody does it. How, how defined do you think the rules truly are to the players. You know, now we're starting to get a better understanding because we have the Lions situation, the situation with the Colts. Do you believe that for the players, it was an extremely, very clear-cut, defined definition of impropriety of what was accepted and what was not? Well, look, I I don't know exactly how defined it was. I I certainly believe that a lot of players – weren't aware of of the extent of the rule you know the reaching reaches of the rule when it comes to uh placing wagers on non-nfl games and and where you can can or can't do that from um you know look it's it's the responsibility to know and uh the nfl puts on a workshop every year for players with every team right representatives come in and teach you the rules and it's in your your handbook you know when you you go to or when you start when your your team you know opens training camp and the the rules are posted on the walls and locker rooms so it is the responsibility of every nfl player to know and whether they simply ignored that whether they didn't pay attention whether it wasn't covered in the detail that was necessary um i think that probably goes to you know the uh the the links that each team in conjunction with the league and the NFL players association went to teach those rules. And so um, maybe it wasn't clear. I do think it's extremely clear now, you know, the uh, maybe there was an element of, of, you know, using the, the first wave to, to sort of notify everyone in the NFL that, Hey, this is exactly what you can't do. But I will tell you that after that first wave and talking to, you know, player agents across the league, um, I definitely heard from, from people who were like, well, you know, I've got guys who say this goes on in their locker room, you know, that they're, they're 
sitting on the training table with nothing to do and, you know, flipping through their, their betting app or placing games or, or placing bets, I mean, or maybe playing poker. I mean, that, that counts too. You're, you're not allowed to do that from a, an NFL facility. So, um, you know, when there's money on the line. So I, I do think there was a lot of, you know, ambiguity, I guess, when uh, uh, maybe when these rules were first put in place. Again, Dave Burkett with us here uh, from the Detroit Free Free Press. Dave, just to clarify, did any of these players, did they bet on Lions-specific games or just NFL games in general? Yeah, not that I'm aware of. Uh, you know, again, it was two players, C.J. Moore and Quintus Cephas, who were suspended for betting on NFL games. Um, I w- I'm not aware. Uh, it, I, I don't believe uh, that, they, that they did bet on NFL games. If they were, I'm not aware of that. Okay, and then the Lions did go kind of a step above the punishment with some of them, right? It, like, just because they are suspended indefinitely, the Lions did waive a few of these guys, correct? Immediately after the suspensions were announced, and, and so this is what happened. The the Lions were sort of you know notified a few weeks in advance that, that the players were being investigated. Um, maybe the night before the suspensions were announced, they got word, you know, exactly what the suspensions and the, were going to be, the findings were. It was a league investigation. Um, the day that the suspensions were announced, that was the Friday before the draft, they cut the two players that were found to have bet on NFL games. Uh, they kept the other two, Jamison Williams and Stanley Berryhill, on their roster. They've since cut Stanley Berryhill as well. And, you know, if, I'm, if we're being honest here, Stanley Berryhill was a bottom-of-the-roster player that was going to have a hard time making the team. You know, Quintez Cephas, the receiver that they cut, uh, was probably going to be on the outside looking in. He was a player that was not drafted by this this regime. Um, you know, he was going to be down the, the rotation at the very least. Unlikely to make the team, I would guess. C.J. Moore, the, the special teams player that they cut, you know, he had just re-signed a new contract um, in free agency, and he was one of the Lions' better special teams players. So not a key player on defense, but he definitely had a role for this, this team. So I want to go back again. Dave Burkett is our guest from the Detroit Free Press. He's on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Because obviously this is of interest in Indianapolis because it is precedent for what the Colts are now dealing with. Uh, if you could, Dave, recap for us the the level of suspension that each player received based on infraction. Sure. Four, four Lions players suspended. Two of them were suspended indefinitely for – uh, betting on NFL games, uh, they were immediately cut by the Lions, and then two players were suspended six games for placing, you know, non, um, you know, or placing bets on non NFL games from an NFL facility. Uh, and one of those players was cut a few weeks later. And Jameson Williams remains with the team right now. So, Kevin, that's pretty. And Dave, that's not good news for Isaiah Rogers because it, while we don't know this, Dave. The the allegation or the assumption is that Isaiah Rogers was not only wagering on NFL games, but specifically his particular team. So it would seem based on precedent. And he's not Jamison Williams, a top 10 pick. Yeah. Right. It would seem on precedent that an indefinite suspension is imminent, right? Absolutely. I, I think indefinite suspension is coming. I mean, that's what Kelvin Ridley got, uh, if I'm not mistaken. You know, when he had placed, uh, I believe he acknowledged that he had placed um, parlay bets on, on NFL, you know, games. Um, so I, I would think it, an, an indefinite suspension is coming. Shaka Tony from the Washington Commanders also was suspended indefinitely, and uh, I believe that was for placing bets on NFL games as well. Okay, Dave, last one, and appreciate the time on a topic that I know is probably not what you want to be talking about here on this Thursday morning. Uh, 
how they find out, uh, you know, is it geolocation? Do, do you have any details on exactly like how the NFL found out about these and, and were they all intertwined? It, do you, do you know that at all? I, I don't know the specifics of, you know, how close together the, the bets were placed, you know, among the Lions players or whatnot, but yeah, look, I, I've been told that's exactly how the league finds out these these situations is they are partners with all these sports books, right, or, or several of them. And um, frankly, the, the sports books don't want teams or people with inside information winning money from them. And anytime you log into an app, it, it you know knows your location. And I don't know what sort of regulation goes on on, on a sports book level, but um, you know those apps, the people responsible for that regulation. Um, certainly track that stuff closely and share that information with the, uh, you know, the, the parties, be it the league or maybe the uh, the state gaming commission. And that's sort of how the investigations come about. But again, and I, I, I'm for this. I mean, I'm not saying, but it is, Dave, am I correct? Just to put it one more time. If you're in the team hotel and you want to wager on the West Virginia Kansas State game that's getting ready to kick off during your right. downtime, you can do so, but you got to walk across the street to B Dubs, place your wager on your phone, and then walk back in the hotel and watch it. Correct? <laughs> you know, um, I, I will say this you, you absolutely cannot place it from a hotel. Someone had explained this to me, and I don't know exactly how the rule is written, that anytime you're conducting sort of team business, right, if you're making an appearance on behalf of a team, that you're not allowed to, to wager as well. So I don't know the, the specifics of if you're on a road trip, if you can just go somewhere else that may be considered, you know, league travel business, some, you know, form of, of not being able to, to wager as well. But absolutely not from the team facility, not from the, the team bus, you know, not from the, the team hotel, not from a stadium. Um, you know, it's, uh, I think we can all agree, right? There's, uh, look, NFL games, betting on your own team. That's, you know, at least I think most people see that as crossing a line. Uh, when it's, it's non-wagers, that's where the gray or non-NFL games, that's where sort of the gray area comes in because that's legal in 30 states. Um, but, you know, certainly you're, you're not allowed to do that. The NFL has made it clear uh, by these suspensions, if it wasn't before, that you're not a, uh, allowed to place any sort of bet. Uh, from an NFL team facility. Dave, great stuff. Um, appreciate talking about a huge off-the-field story, certainly for you guys around the league, but also for the Colts right now. Uh, thanks for the time. Yep, you got it. We'll talk to you guys again. Dave Burkett right there on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Jake, I don't think I mentioned this earlier in the week. Uh, to me, it just kind of adds to, and again, I know it's a harsh word, but it's the only word I can come up with. I think it's stupidity on Isaiah Rogers' part. Jake, he's got two kids under the age of one. And he just risked generational wealth for $25 and $50 bets. Two children under the age of one. He is a six-round pick that is due to make $2.7 million this season. If he has a decent year, which I think he was going to have, he was going to have a great opportunity, and I thought he had proven himself through the first three years as a guy training in the right direction, he's looking at probably what? Three years, $15 million? Three years, $18 million, Something in that range? So that is... If you add it all up, seventeen to twenty million, with two kids under the age of one, that he risked for twenty-five and fifty-dollar bets. I'm going to give benefit of the doubt. I'm not saying it's earned. To say, and these might be synonyms, or six and one half dozen the other. Instead of stupidity, I'm going to go with naivete, just real naive. 
maybe a little bit of arrogance in there of just, yeah, they're not going to come after me. You know, quite frankly, Kevin, it's entirely possible Rodgers might have been like, look, man, I'm a six. They, they ain't coming after me. You know, it's kind of like, like people that are like, man, I forgot to f- submit one extra form on my taxes. But I make forty five grand a year, and, and they worry about that stuff if you're making a million. Well, you're still in violation. I, I think it probably was just a naive. It, 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 my other 100 bets, having someone else's I, name I associated with the account, he knew what he was doing was wrong. If he didn't, he would have had his own name on the account. You know, uh, that's fair. I also think, <clears throat> I hope I'm wrong about this. And I'm thinking there's probably 90% chance I'm wrong on this. I hope I hope I'm wrong on this. But I think there's a chance in five to ten years that we will look back and go, remember when that guy for the Colts got suspended for that? Like Like you think it'll be allowed? To bet on NFL games, to uh, bet on your own team? I don't think I don't know that it will be allowed, but I can see it being less considered to be less egregious. Boy, I think integrity of the game is something you've got to uphold, and if you don't, you're going to lose fans quick, 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 quick. What about what about this, Kevin? And I know we're up against it. Does the penalty or the treatment? One thing that I've never heard anybody mention. Does the penalty or the treatment for any of these players become softer or more? I'm trying to think of the word I'm looking for. More tolerated if one of them comes out and says, you know what, I did do this because I have an addiction and I need help. Does that change the narrative as to, and I'm not saying that they would be wrong in changing that narrative because I know people that have gambling addiction. 1-800-9-WITH-IT, by the way, if you do, and I'm not saying that flippantly. I, I've, I've <clears throat> talked to and helped people like promote you know, not for profits for people with gambling addiction. And sure, you can look at it and go, well, he's only betting 25, 40 bucks. That's not a gambling addiction. Gambling addiction is when you when your house has been repossessed. Well, it's start not a you know, alcoholics or or drug addicts or, you know, their addictions in various levels it doesn't always immediately jump into that arena it starts out fairly right. small but you just you, you you cannot stop yeah the, to me the punishment should not change but obviously the help is a huge part of it so yes you would certainly need to and the nflpa i think would do that into looking into that help and making sure that player has the help that he needs but the punishment can't change he, he, no matter the reason like look at if you look at pete rose he was banned for for life from baseball and within that same life the narrative has changed where most people now believe he should be reinstated i don't want to get into that talk show because then it, you know that's like your yeah. what's your melt rush more to me I mean, reinstation is different than allowing betting on games while the player is playing well but but if you reinstate pete rose what what you're saying retroactively is that you are allowing what he did to me i look at it as you're acknowledging him as a player individually and his hall of fame candidacy fair uh, 8 o'clock hour coming up. Colts, OTA number three yesterday. Up and down day for the rookie quarterback. And at least in front of the media, these last two sessions, it's been all Gardner Minshew from a starting rep standpoint. We'll explain more on the other side. Kevin and Corey. You're giving me... You're Melancholic giving me a look. look on your face. R.I.P. 
Iron I was going to say, it's a little Iron Sheik, right? Yesterday, yep. yeah. I mm-hmm. didn't realize that his Twitter account was not run by him. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's. I mean, I think some of it was, but I mean, obviously there was. How old, Mark? Eighty-one. Um, he didn't like Hulk Hogan, if you gathered that much from his Twitter account. Yes. The um, yesterday I was looking around at some things with the NBA draft. This isn't a fast. This is an interesting draft for the Pacers because they're drafting seven, and and just kind of skulking around, Kevin. I, I've I've come to two conclusions. One in one area where I think we were pretty on target, and one area where I I notably was way off. Are you ready? Sure. Would you like the way off first or the on target first? Let's start with the on target. Let's get, feed the ego and then see how okay. much we need to take out of the ego. We were discussing yesterday that the Pacers are in a position where they have enough good pieces and young pieces, a la in the backcourt notably, Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, and then obviously – kind of on the wing in terms of an insurance policy or depth, Aaron Neesmith. Um, Not long-term, but Buddy Heald still under contract for another year. Correct. Obviously, Miles Turner. And then one, if not both, of Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith. They have good core pieces kind of evenly distributed throughout to the point where it appears as though their thought process is – This is a draft where they can have the luxury of going after a specified area and taking a player that fits their need versus simply the best player available at seven. So I do think it's probably going to be a wing defender or forward of some sort that they're going to hone in on. I think they were kind of hoping – that this would be a guard-rich draft or that teams drafting up front would be guard-starving teams so that the best player in that area would fall to the the best, you know, Brandon Miller, for example, is not going to fall to seven. Um, but that a player like that, you know, would be – that they would get their first pick of the forwards. They're, they're not going to. But then the area where I have been way off base – I have said that it would not surprise me if the Pacers parlayed some of their late picks and other pieces to move up to the top three to try to get Brandon Miller, that they like Brandon Miller that much. Uh, I, I think it's more accurate to say that they might have very, very casually kicked the tires on that exploration and immediately hit the eject button because they realized the price was going to be more than what they want to spend. So they are more than likely going to stick at seven. What do you think? I mean, Turner, Matherin, Halliburton. You mean to move up? God, that's ludicrous. Yeah, I, I think to move up, they've. I think to move up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do that. Here's the thing. Nope. Hang up. They have between Halliburton, Matherin. I'll actually throw Neesmith in this group between Halliburton, Matherin, Neesmith. You have three pieces that you've got a pretty good idea of what they're going to be able to do for you for a couple of years. Then in Jackson and Smith, you have two pieces that you've you've got a general idea that they can give you some stuff, 
but you're just trying to figure out how to use them. And so you have young core, and I think that they felt like when you have players like that, Kevin, that are young core players, you have tangible evidence as to what they can do as NBA players. I don't know that you ever trade tangible evidence that still has ceiling in front of it for players that seem to have maybe a higher ceiling but less tangible evidence. So you stick with – you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I – Going back to yesterday's workouts, Jake, Taylor Hendricks and Jairus Walker, the two individual workouts of the Pacers, I think if we sit here two weeks from tomorrow, the draft is two weeks from tonight, if we sit here two weeks from tomorrow and the Pacers have drafted one of those two, I think you got to be pretty pleased if you're a Pacers fan. Totally agree. That That's the route that I've kind of been on really since the season ended of the, you know, kind of four-man versatile defender um, can still is not a liability offensively is not a necessarily a outright playmaker offensively but certainly not a liability and in Walker's case I thought he made a good point yesterday we'll talk with Scott Agnes about this coming up you know for anybody that watched Houston this year they were led by the two guards you know, Marcus Sasser being the the frontline guy they didn't ask or need Jarris Walker to do a lot of that now I think there's some questions about how much he could do but I, I thought that was a good point that he made yesterday and again him coming here, that would be a bit similar. You would not be asking him to need to give you 19 a night. You know, Matherin, when you drafted him, eventually, and hell, he almost did his rookie year, but you drafted Benedict Matherin saying, at some point in your career, you're going to have to average 18 for us. Like, that, that that's your game. And as a rookie, coming off the bench, he averaged 16 a game. So I think that piece is solved a little bit. Obviously, Halliburton gives you so much. Today's workout... I think has a couple of intriguing names, probably more based off their collegiate history than anything. You see they've got the uh, the Noel kid from Kansas State. Remember the tournament darling, the little guard? Yeah. He's coming in. I think he measured in at 5'6", by the way, at the combine. I, I say that all seriousness. Muggsy Bogues. How big was Muggsy Bogues? Was it, Spud Webb was 5'6", was right? go 5'4", for Muggsy. I think that's right. By the way, I saw, five foot three. I saw Shaq next to his girlfriend yesterday. Don't you just kind of... Are you ever curious about the physics of that? Okay. 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 I was asking Whoa! Maddie about that. I'm just kind of like... You were asking, asking your wife about yeah, that? you know, just... Dinner it's, conversation? It's, it's not It's not hard to figure out. Well, yeah, I get what you're saying, but you talk about the <laughs> vulnerability okay. and the liability, potentially, okay. that comes with that. Uh, moving Let on. Moving on over here. Uh, <laughs> okay. Tiger Campbell... Uh, working out, uh, UCLA guard. He had the fun hair. He went to that prep school up in Laporte. Yeah, he's, then, he went to Lalamir, didn't he? Yeah, and then Jake, uh, you watched this guy this past season, uh, Jalen Wilson from Kansas. Really good player at Kansas. He was. It was the first team All American. I felt like he was. Wasn't he it? was a good player for them for sure. So again, a little bit more of a college flair to the group today. Um, I'll be fascinated to see how things pan out for Marquise Noel. That, that was fun to watch Kansas State get on that run. And for him, as a New York City kid, to do, you know, the regional was in Madison Square Garden. They lost to Florida Atlantic in the Elite Eight. But remember that game? Was it Michigan State in the Sweet 16? How great Correct. that game it was. was a great game. It changed like five times in the last couple minutes. Noel's throwing, looking at Jerome Tang as coach and throwing a half court alley oop to one of his guys. So that is the workout today for the Pacers. Jake, I did want to get a little bit into the Colts from yesterday. Um, 
for the second straight open OTA session, Gardner Minshew took all the starting reps in front of the media. Ask Shane second about that afterwards. He cautioned to say, and this is the unfortunate nature of this time of year, we only watch one OTA a week. There's typically three or four sessions a week. So what they do in front of us the one day we're out there, you might flip it the next day. And that's pretty much what Shane Second said. He's like, yeah, don't read that much into it. Tomorrow, you know, Anthony could be taking all the first-team reps. I thought yesterday when Richardson was out there, it was the most up-and-down nature we've seen. The highlight, a perfectly placed, in-stride, deep-corner route, 50 yards in the air to Brashard Perriman. I mean, absolutely perfect. Like, as soon as that ball was completed, probably the loudest, like, whoa, all day long from his teammates. Like Gardner Minshew ain't fitting that ball in that sort right. of window. Um, now, later on in the practice, a two-minute drill, more like a one-minute drill to end the day. Uh, he was three of seven. He should have been picked twice. Tony Brown dropped a pair of interceptions, threw a ground ball inside the 10-yard line that could have been a touchdown as well. You know, Sykin was saying after practice, that part of the field, red zone for a rookie quarterback is probably the hardest part of the field to kind of fully grasp and nail down. And I thought just in an hour-ish session, you saw the potential and you also saw why he was a 53% passer and went 6-6 six and six of Florida. Is Anthony Richardson the Isaiah Jackson of the Colts? Um, I, I get where you're going with it. Like, Super raw. Like when the highlight comes, you're like, yeah. holy cow, that's why he's there. And then other times you're like, man, come on. You know? To be fair to Richardson, that's what, the fifth practice I've now seen him in? I thought it was the most volatility we've seen. I, I thought for the most part, the other handful of sessions we've seen, he's been rather methodical or rather just kind of, not normal, but quarterbacking in a very like death by a thousand paper cut sort of way. Um, whereas yesterday we saw the real, real high and the real, real low. I just expected we would have seen more of that out of him to this point. But again, we had not seen that. I do think a bummer for him and Gardner Minshew right now. Yesterday was the third straight practice. We've been out there where Michael Pittman's been out due to a hip injury Uh, Alec Pierce has been out due to a foot injury. Josh Downs has been out due to a knee injury. You go to the tight end group, Jelani Woods has been out. A couple of the fringe tight ends, Drew Ogletree, the uh, rookie from last year, had a nice camp. Will Mallory, the fifth-round pick out of Miami, they both have been out. I mean, they are down like six of their top nine or ten pass catchers. I mean, if you read off the list of guys that caught balls yesterday from Minshew and Richardson, you're like, wait, are these guys even going to make the team? Um, so I think that's been a bummer here in the spring is while the O-line and D-line have been very healthy this spring, the wideouts and the tight ends have not been. Uh, what's your hat, by the way? My hat is Valhalla Golf Course in Louisville, which will host the has hosted and, and will host the PJ Championship next year. And that's a little leather thingy on there in the state of Kentucky on the hat? Uh, I mean, it's a cool-looking hat. Yeah, I don't think it's leather. You want to... This sounds weird. You want to touch it? I guess it's kind of like our shack conversation from earlier. Here you go. You want that? If you could have, are you going to cut that audio, Mark? Come on! If you could have seen the 
but the look on Mark. You gonna, are, do you want to see the Christmas? hat or not? Jeez. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm not going to. Yeah, sure. That's leather. Settle down just a little bit. <laughs> Is it leather? As, as soon as you said that, Mark, Mark immediately began staring at the at the floor. And I think you immediately thought to yourself, maybe I should have worded that differently. Marking down the time stamp. And, you know, I'll be totally honest. That regret was similar to me slamming the door shut earlier today at the You're Bellin up household. to a roaring start here. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Thank you, folks, for listening to this, the final episode of Kevin and Query. <laughs> Ranking 28 right now? Is that where we're at? That's right. We, we just slid right back... In between El Paso and Omaha. A smooth transition to this. Uh, The good news on the Colts practice viewing front. Again, right now we're only able to watch one a week. Hell, I might be able to watch no more. Sanitizer over there, Mark. Moving forward. My eyes, yeah. (laughs) Starting next week, which is the mandatory minicamp, it's the final week of the offseason program, the media is allowed to watch every practice next week and then obviously every practice at training camp. So, again, I'm not saying the Colts are doing this at all, but like you can't hide Richardson now. Starting next week and throughout training camp, we get to watch every practice. And that's like 15 or 20 straight practices. So we will be able to see and truly get into, okay, who's taking the starting reps? How does that change? How does that evolve once August gets here? You know, the first preseason game on the 12th, the next on the 19th, the joint practices with the Bears, those sorts of things. This is the thing about Anthony Richardson and this whole journey that if you're a Colts fan, I think you should be encouraged by. And again, we don't know the guy. We don't. We can say we do. We don't know him. But when it comes to quarterbacks that show great potential, that come in, that are given great opportunity, we have seen those that Zach Wilson that go into it, Baker Mayfield, Jamarcus Russell, that have Johnny Manziel, that almost appear to be, they have like a, a persona about them of like, I don't need to necessarily have to soak all this stuff in. I, I, I just my, my, I, I just go out there and wing it. And that's not to say those guys didn't work hard. I, I'm not saying that, but they had, they, they just had an aura about them. <clears throat> of a cockiness that that appeared as though they weren't all in. And by all account, Kevin, I could be wrong, and I'm not saying this to carry water for the local franchise or curry favor with the fan base, but by all account, Anthony Richardson appears to be a guy who, while incredibly physically gifted and yet still raw, is well aware of both of those two things and has the proper perspective of coming into it saying, I'm here to work and I'm here to learn. And I think that's refreshing. I tweeted out last night, Jake, and it's something I've said for a month plus. I think him and Benedict Matherin carry themselves very, very similarly in that they exude confidence. At times, you could call it cockiness, but they immediately acknowledge the work ethic. Immediately. It is not a, oh, I've already got here. I've I've already signed my live golf contract. I'm good. I don't need to earn anything moving forward. I'm here to play for the next 10 years. I'm not going anywhere. But yet they have that swagger to them that you also have to have. I think particularly if you're a quarterback. I mean, again, it's not the swagger that I think a lot of people would define it as. Peyton Manning had it. 
Peyton Manning was cocky. But yet Peyton Manning worked and worked and worked and worked. So you got to have that confidence, certainly. Borderline cockiness. But the um, the work ethic what, to go with what it. What Peyton Manning had was... And I don't know. Andrew Luck had this as well. But what Peyton Manning had... Peyton Manning's kind of this goofy guy. He's got the big forehead. When he when he would run out on the field, uh, you know, he looked like a, I don't even know, like a caricature of an athlete. But I remember, I, I think it was Reggie Wayne when I did a radio show with Reggie Wayne, telling the story about. I, I think I asked once, like, tell, you know, give me a story about Manning that, that defines him. And Reggie Wayne said. And I've probably told you guys this story before. But he said, we were at the Pro Bowl and a bunch of guys, it was back when the Pro Bowl was in Honolulu, and a bunch of guys were in the pool and they were doing pranks and splashing around and joking and drinking daiquiris or whatever. And Peyton walked out. And everyone stopped. Daiquiris? Really? Margaritas, whatever. And, and it, Well, you're in Hawaii, right? I mean, but everyone stopped. And like, just kind of froze. And then Manning... Picked up like a Nerf, you know, ball or whatever, and got it wet and like dunked it on somebody, and then they all went back to playing again. But he was like, everyone deferred to see what Manning's mood was before seeing if they could carry on. He just carried with him that persona. You saw it, Kevin. I saw it in the locker room all the time with Manning. Manning would round the corner. Guys are sitting there playing video games and watching TV. Manning rounds the corner, and everyone would kind of—he was the alpha. It was there was no question about it. It's the assistant principal and, sitting in the back of your classroom observing the teacher. Correct. Me. And Luck had a little of that, but Luck was what was interesting about Luck was Andrew Luck definitely had that. Andrew Luck got away with being goofy because guys respected his skill, but Luck was kind of unaware of it. Manning was very aware of the presence that he exuded when he walked into the locker room. Luck was almost incredulous towards it a lot of times. But Richardson does seem to be a guy that his teammates want to believe in. So far, he it appears as though he has put forth a a persona or a demeanor that makes his, his teammates want to play well for him and with him. Did you see the biggest Colts draft bust in the Chris Ballard era? Got one more chance yesterday. The biggest Colts draft bust of the Chris Ballard era. I always get confused. Probably happy, honestly, about the location he's heading to. Is it a defensive player? It is a defensive player, correct. Um, Ohio State? No, but given this franchise, that's probably a fair guess. Uh, but he will be teammates, maybe with the guy that you were thinking about, who I actually thought had a nice year for the Cowboys last year. That would be Malik Hooker. Uh, ben Banigou, Jake, signed for the Cowboys yesterday. TCU product, so probably enjoys going back to that area. Uh, to me, he's the biggest draft bust in the Ballard era. By the way, uh, speaking of TCU... Kudos and credit to the fan base of TCU. Oh, I love that did. headline. 20, over 20,000, right? Yeah. So That's awesome. We had talked about the other day the fact that the Indiana State baseball team was supposed to host TCU and the Super Regional of the College World Series due to, and it's a slippery slope of people talking 
on where the blame lies, but part of the reasoning that Indiana State decided they could not host the game is because of the hotel rooms in the Terre Haute area that are being utilized for the 51st, I think it is, annual Special Olympics in Terre Haute. So the TCU fan base, aware of the fact that that meant that they now got to be hosting a game where they were supposed to be on the road, somebody within the TCU fan base online was like, hey, we should all make donations to the Special Olympics in Terre Haute, Indiana, mm-hmm. and they've raised a bunch of money that for That is them. absolutely awesome. Very cool. Very I cool love of that. TCU. We have a horn frog sound, Mark? We do, actually. Yeah, sure. Give me a second. <laughs> now, that's a hot baseball team. Indiana State heading down there. They have scored, I think it's over double-digit runs, like in seven of their last eight games. They've won eight in a row. Scored 20 against the number 3 seed Arkansas in the regional. Uh, first pitch for Indiana State tomorrow. I want to say it's 6 o'clock on ESPN. Is it, isn't the horn frog just a ribbit-ribbit sound? Probably. Same sound, but different look. Is that what you're getting at? What's that? For the horn frog? Uh, yeah, I like well, I mean it's a horn frog is a is a, best I know is a frog but it has horns. I've been uh, practicing my ribbit sound lately. Rosie has a wand and she goes Wait, hold on, hold Daddy, on. I tried to do it. You're a frog. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. Now is that, is that the horn frog mark? I mean, it doesn't really it's just you say horn frog and that's what pops up. But if I'm not mistaken, when we did this for the tournament, the horn frog had had more of a like a squealing type sound, didn't it? That might have been like the the Razorback you're thinking. <laughs> I, I'm picturing who was the presidential candidate maybe a cycle or two ago that had that screech kind of that yelp. Oh, Howard oh. Dean. It was it Howard Dean? Yes, that's <laughs> yeah. what I'm picturing. A horn frog. Do we have frog. the Howard Dean audio? Sure. Let me find the Howard Dean let's, audio. Let's let's just that's the let's, TCU horn frog. Yeah, let's listen to Howard Dean absolutely sabotage his political career. This wasn't creepy at all. This was. I think was, we get one of those out of Mike Pence to represent the state here coming up. I did a Twitter poll yesterday. I, I saw of that. that. Didn't know if you were making an appearance on WIBC later. Or... I was simply curious. My, my Twitter Carolina poll. and Oklahoma and Arizona <laughs> and North Dakota and New Mexico. And we're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> There's no, that nothing. is the horn frog yeah, right that, there. Nothing the odd about that at all. <laughs> okay, my Twitter poll yesterday. Jeez, oh, we got Scott Agnes coming. I up. just simply I, said you would rank Mike Pence's presidential chances as fair, likely, doubtful, or almost impossible. Seventeen hundred and fifty people have voted so far. Wow, a lot of political experts. Five percent say he has a fair chance. Two percent say it's likely. 29% say his chance of presidential is doubtful, and 64% listed it as almost impossible. Sound, that, the results of that poll sounds like Tiger Woods making one more. I, I watched golf. his speech yesterday. Former WIBC radio host, correct? Correct. Like as that. well as his the video, like the campaign video that was released, and I thought he did very, very well. Uh, Pat says, any love for Trine softball winning the national title? Shout out to Trine. Used to be Tri-West, right? No, no, uh, Tri-State. Tri-State, that's it. Trine, softball national title. You know, my first (laughs) go-round in college, I was trying. (laughs) Scott Agnes in a few. Morning Checkdown time. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, We have audio last night of Kevin Bowen. 
when Ellie De La Cruz got up and not only hit a home run, but a triple. It sounded like this in the Bowen household. (laughs) (laughs) It did. 458 feet for De La Cruz, his first home run as a major leaguer. And then Will Benson. How about this, Jake? Will Benson hits a walk-off in the ninth, his first career home run in Major League Baseball. mentioned this earlier, the Reds are starting to create a little bit of energy like we saw from the Pacers last year, like the Colts hope to create Don't right look now. now, but here come the Red Legs. Thank you, Mark. You've behaved very well with that sound here. Just waiting for the inevitable collapse. I know. I know you are. I know you will get the last laugh. And speaking of a hot baseball team right now, don't look now, but here come the Athletics. Back to back, right? That's two in a row, folks. Woo. Don't let them get hot. Okay. Yeah, because then the trade line line's going to come, and they're all going to be gone. I didn't see your Orioles win yesterday. Nope. Sure didn't. Diamondbacks slithering right behind Orioles you. Orioles right now. Cute fella, 37 and 24. What are the Diamondbacks? I believe it's, like it's percentage points at this point. Half yeah. game, buddy. Mm-hmm. What a Half race. game mm-hmm. for the cute fella in uh, the race for PBR. Mm-hmm. Quint Nelson in uh, the building, I guess, or I should say at Victory Field tonight. Colts have an event over there. Indians first pitch coming up a little bit after 7 o'clock. Gates open at 6. If Go you're see Henry Davis play. For something to do. Yes, Henry Davis, number one overall pick mm-hmm. from a couple years ago, is now in the Triple A. Uh, by the way, yesterday... White Sox and Yankees and then Tigers at Phillies both postponed. They'll play doubleheaders today because of the poor air quality from the wildfires in Canada. Last night, NBA, game number three. Denver, 109-94 over the Miami Heat. Nuggets now lead two games to one. Jamal Murray had 34 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Uh, Nikola, I'll never now not hear that. Uh, Jokic, 32 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. Christian Brown was really good for them in the second half. 15 points for the Nuggets as they go up 2-1. Brown was really good. Uh, big time energy from him. Is it Brown or Brown? I've always gone with Brown. Yeah, it's Brown. Uh, Van Gundy was struggling with that last night. Yeah, I mean, you kind of go either way, right? Um, game four will be Friday. Game three tonight in the Stanley Cup Finals with Vegas looking to go up 3-0. That series now in Florida. And I saw Oklahoma softball won another one. They are one game away from continuing, I think, what is now a 52-game win streak and trying to win the national championship. All right, big, big couple of workouts for the Pacers yesterday. Scott Agnes was over there. We'll chat with him on the other side. Kevin Aquari on a Thursday. Scott Agnes has been a busy, busy man here with the Pacers seemingly having a different draft to work out every single day. Scott joins us right now from Fieldhouse Files. Uh, Scott, two weeks from tonight, the NBA draft. I have a feeling that the Pacers will be selecting one of the two guys in the building yesterday. You agree with that feeling or no? Hey, KB. Yeah, I, I really do. I think those are the two odds-on favorites for sure. You could probably throw one of the Thompson twins in there and and maybe another player or two, but um, if you're taking one of these two or the field, yeah, I think that's a fair fair conclusion. And that would be Jairus Walker out of Houston, Taylor Hendricks, Central Florida. I guess what were your impressions of them just more from a personality media standpoint than on the court? I, the biggest takeaway was I was impressed only because like these are 19 year olds. They don't have a ton of media experience. Uh, a lot of these guys, especially if you're at this level, uh, you know, are going to be lottery picks that we're talking to here. Um, these two specifically, and they're pretty humble and content and competitive yet respectful. And, and you don't always see that from guys that have only been in 
college for one year and you know they still have all their high school buddies and you know trainers from home telling them that they're the man and those sorts of things so when we talked with them that was my first grand takeaway uh i wish we would have been able to see more of what they were able to do out on the floor uh but but these guys both are put through solo workouts um that's usually the case with these top candidates just because their agent uh doesn't want i don't know they want to eliminate risk uh, of someone outshining them and so this is the third solo workout. And the other guy that you could probably add to the mix for the Pacers to consider, although I think he'll be gone by seven in exactly two weeks from tonight, will be Cam Whitmore, who was in a week or so ago for a solo workout. But I, I was very impressed with their maturity, um, their respectability um, for for the position. And then also the just their understanding of, what they need to show, but also, hey, I still have a long ways to go. Scott, you ever played fantasy football? I did, but probably not for the last eight, nine years. Okay, but during when you played fantasy football and you'd have that fantasy draft, mm-hmm. you get the little thing that has, you know, like two spots QB, then like six spots wide receiver, four spots running back, whatever it might be. And you get late in the draft – and you're looking at it, and you're like, "Gosh, I mean, I'm pr- I got like four receivers already. I've got three running backs. I got two quarterbacks. Like, I, I don't know, like which. I mean, I'm pretty deep here. I don't know what to do. <clears throat> Doesn't it feel like the Pacers with their multiple second round picks? The the feeling to me is kind of like that. Like when I look at their roster, it it, it feels like they've got pretty good young depth at all areas, except for maybe wing forward which seemingly they're going to address with the seventh pick. By the time they're drafting like 28, 32, whatever those other picks are, it kind of feels like there's not one area that has like a a gaping hole that that needs to be filled. You agree with that? I think I think they could use another an, even another wing or two. Okay. Um outside of that, yeah, I'd completely agree with that because what what the Pacers and really most teams are looking for now are just guys that can play, that have versatility, that they can, you know, maybe they're playing the two one night and then they defend a four the other night. That's the big kind of the buzzword that it feels like a lot of these prospects are emphasizing is, is versatility and, and what they can do. But um, outside of needing, I think, a couple of wings, yeah, I think that's where they're at. And the Pacers have to be prepared to make every pick, but I would be stunned uh, if at the end of the draft night that there's, you know, even four new Pacers, and they have five picks right now. So, so based on that, that also the reason. So based on that answer, when around the time that they make one of their second or third pick is around the time I think when Trace Jackson Davis would be one of the better players left on the board, and it does seem like he has shown a little bit of a versatility of being the kind of player. That is what you're talking about. Is he in play for them? Do you think? Uh, I I have a hard time to believe it. At least with those first several, talking about 26 and 29 in the first round, only because, like, where would he get the playing time? How many times did I come on this show last year and talk about? Is it Jalen Smith? Is it right. is it Jackson? All right, Miles. Well, but what about could he Daniel be? Knight? Can he be more of a wing guy? Has he shown that he is more than a low-block Sabonis-type player? I, I think the Sabonis-type player is exactly who he's trying to show that he is. Okay. Uh, 
whether it's a four or five, let's not get lost in the numbers, but more as a guy who can defend. Can he has better, you know, defense um, tendencies than than Sabonis in terms of blocking shots and being more impactful on that end. Um, but my trouble is, I just see so much overlap with his game and what the Pacers currently already have. But again, if you talk about Trace and you're you're talking about a guy that. Um, or a Pacers roster that, you know, after those first few spots, you're not drafting for right now either. Um, maybe you would consider it because in two years you have that figured out. You know Trace isn't going to come in right away. Um, but, it, you know, I think he's doing 13 different workouts. He had his with the Pacers, I think it was on Monday. Um, the, the two teams so far I've also heard for him are Sacramento and Utah, um, and they're both in that range from – uh, 24 to, to 40, and that's kind of what I think his range is. Scott Agnes again, Fieldhouse Files, with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Scott, a need that I don't think is necessarily like, you know, flashing in neon colors, but is one that you can never have enough of is just the element of shooting. And I bring up Buddy Heald. Again, he has a skill set and a durability to his game that's pretty remarkable and I think can play, you know, for several more years, but he is coming up into a contract year. Chris Duarte, who I think you'd label as the thought was, you know, really good shooter coming out of Oregon. I don't think he's necessarily entrenched himself by any means moving forward. So I do feel like outside of kind of the wing, just, and obviously every team would love this, but if you could find kind of a a dead-eye shooter that maybe moving forward could slide into somewhat of that role, um, I do think that would be something to look into because I don't, you know, listening to Matherin, okay, I'm going to be a starting three this year. Halliburton's a point guard. Heald's a two guard. Is that the trio for the next five years? Or at some point are you going to have to turn the leaf there with Buddy Heald? Yeah, Andrew Nimhard might have something to say about that lineup that you tossed out, uh, for one. Um, but with with Buddy... Do you think Nemhard would start that- over Buddy? I, I mean, I think that could be more likely than – I would say that's more likely than not. If I had to hmm. guess today, wouldn't you think it's it's Halliburton, it's Nemhard and Matherin? Ooh, I, I think Buddy's shooting you on out there. I mean, I like Nemhard a lot, and obviously you could have him out there to maybe end some games um, depending on matchups. But I, I think it's important to have Buddy shooting out there just to space the floor. And the, the other side of that is some might say I think it's important to have Nemhard's defense out there. Sure. I mean, who's who's guarding? So, I don't know. It's that's early fair. and speculative, but I think that's kind of the transition that the Pacers have to be considering right now. And if you can get Buddy to come off the bench and be that sixth, seventh man, that's fantastic. I mean, but, um, but he has done that in his career. Yeah, that's what he was doing. Um, and, and I guess one thing that I read between the lines – uh, of what the Pacers had to say kind of during exit interviews was we got to see if Buddy's okay with that and if he, he can be still be as productive playing in that type of role. But, yeah, with Benedict going on the NBA Finals broadcast the other night saying, yeah, I'm going to be the starting three. I need to do this, this, and this. I was like, oh, all right. I hadn't heard that. I assumed that. Um, but um, I think that's where we're currently at with that group. But to your bigger point, Especially with Rick, but really the the grand scheme of things here, you can't have enough shooting. I mean, we see guys right now in the finals, maybe lit it up in the conference finals, and now are struggling in the NBA finals. Well, then you have another guy to go to. So that the default is always to add more ball handling, more shooting, um, because you can always find a spot for him. Scott Agnes is our guest. He's on the Payless Sugars Hotline. Scott, um, the other day you tweeted out. I don't. I don't think we've talked to you since then. Uh, a photo. 
And initially I thought to myself, why is Thad Mata at the Pacers practice? I don't know why, for whatever reason, with the baseball hat and glasses on for a split second, <laughs> I thought Larry Bird looked like Thad Mata. And then I zoom in, I'm like, oh, it's Larry Bird. And Larry Bird, for those that don't know, you know, had been since leaving the front office was an advisor or a consultant for the Pacers, then basically went down to Florida kind of full time. And now he was back in practice and apparently is now a consultant once again. Maybe he always has been. I don't know. But what is the perceived role of Larry Bird? Just another sounding board is what that is, I think. It's a guy, obviously, Rick Carlisle trusts a great deal who kind of helped orchestrate or make it happen, I think, in large part for Rick to come back here. Uh, this, this I guess it would have been two years ago um, as he enters you know, this last year. But uh, so I, I think it's just a sounding board for him and for Kevin Pritchard um, and, and really that front office. It's not like he's making a decision or is coming in and, and changing things up by any means. He loves the draft process. He loves the collaborative process. And so I think that's all it is. It's He's back from Florida. And so why he's here right now, you know, he's going to come through as much as he is. And, and he's been there, I think, almost every every pre-draft workout and um, and just enjoyed it, I think, getting back in the fold and being part of something again. Scott, I'm trying to think why I was on Maryland Street the other day. Maybe I was coming back from the parade. This would have, I guess, been a little bit over a week and a half ago. But I was, I cannot believe what the renovations look like, you know, next to Gamebridge Fieldhouse in that kind of plaza area. I'm trying to think of the exact coordinates. I guess it'd be Delaware and Maryland-ish. Um, yeah. What What are the latest on, on just the general renovations, everything good to go, all-star weekend-wise coming up in February? It was still kind of crazy to watch Adam Silver last night and him mention Indianapolis is hosting an all-star game next February because I feel like it's been something I've thought about for the last handful of years. Uh, but where are we at from a renovation standpoint and what like that plaza will entail? Yeah, because it was supposed to happen three years ago. It feels like it's been the top of our minds here for quite a while. But yeah, that's blow- that area is blown up quite well. Um, I would say the the original part of the construction uh, just got slightly behind. I think they were really trying to get that done by the spring, really by the end of the season. And that's just about done visually from what I look at it. I uh, haven't heard any official updates from the Pacers, but you see the court there. You see the kind of a concession stand, some flags, and kind of a, a public area is what they want for, for people to come around and hang out. But uh, the other area that's really gone up and shot up quickly is at that northeast corner, which is kind of where it has like Mel's Speakeasy and um, kind of a, a hangout area with three different levels there. And, um, that that's supposed to be good. I think right before the the you know in the winter, right before the All Star game. So I don't know. Tentatively, maybe that's December or something um, for that hangout, dining, restaurant, bar area. But uh, should be really cool when it's all comes together and the construction's done. And uh, and there's I'm sure there's still a lot of people both listening and of watching Pacer games who haven't been back since the pandemic. They haven't seen even the renovations inside so imagine that quite the difference the next time they come through two weeks from tonight the 2023 nba draft five picks for the pacers as of now but as scott has mentioned several times do not expect all five of those to be used on players scott great stuff man thank you very good thanks guys scott agnes right there on the payless liquors hotline have you been by there jake lately not since probably the last game that i went to 
it's just I, I guess I'm so used to a parking area. Yeah, I mean in it's, that spot, it's quite impressive. It'll be cool for sure. I mean, when it's done, I you know the. Do we desperately need good weather for the All Star Game, or is that just a bonus? I think it would help. I mean, think about the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable the Super Bowl. Like in high, it just that still to me was one of the most surreal moments. Just walking around downtown and it's packed, and I'm like, the Super Bowl is in Indianapolis, and it's 55 degrees outside. I'll never forget. The day of the game, Sunday, waiting in line to go in, and security, of course, is you know, understandably taking for forever. And I'm just like, look at this city right now. It feels like May. It, totally. This is this totally. is unbelievable. Did you uh, do the um, zip line? I no, I did not. I, I certainly was downtown a lot, but no, I did not venture to the zip line. You? I did, and, and you know, and this is I, I did a zip line as well on Lookout Mountain and chattanooga like slightly different views yeah slightly but zip lines to me mark do you have you zip lined i mean i have i didn't do it at the super bowl the the two things about zip lining to me that are weird like when you're up on the platform it it's really hard to like to like push off and i've skydived for crying out loud like it, it was a similar sensation of like I was like afraid to like because you your natural tendency is you feel like you're gonna drop straight down. Once you get going, you're fine. But like it's I don't know it was weird. Like the one I did in Chattanooga, like I found myself like trying to like pull myself up the cape, like lift myself up, and I'm like just lay back and like let the weight just take you. I don't know. Like I love doing it, but the first I just remember being up on that platform above capitol street and being like i don't know and then once i did it i was like this is awesome that could be um i feel like you're just here for the zip line <laughs> i thought you, you know gonna, you know i did, thought you were gonna play the fella that did you um, have a howard dean yell when you got in the air <laughs> i did i thought you were gonna play the audio of the, <laughs> the guy with mayonnaise in his hair that's what i thought that <laughs> no was. maybe an 18 year anniversary date idea jake I asked the city officials to break out the zip line and you and shannon could zip i have a piece downtown. of the zip line actually when they when they took the zip line that down sounds safe you took a piece of it after the fact once they removed it they gave me like an honorary like a piece of the coil or whatever um shannon did the zip line and loved it and i was like uh do you think we'll get something like that for the all-star game i mean again it's not the super bowl but it's pretty darn big yeah, I would think that honestly, Georgia Street maybe. I mean, that's I don't know who knows. There'll Although be the weather, some sort of. But the, what time of year is it going to be? Well, it's mid February, yeah, but that so means I so mean, is the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's literally the week after the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. The they weekend should, after. They should just I put think. a zip line that goes through the entire inside of the mall downtown. Well, probably be the most foot traffic that mall. That's has what seen I mean. In. I mean, that would probably be pretty fun, actually. I know. Here you go, Jack. I smell like an egg salad sandwich. But it really, really works. <laughs> that guy is the one that put... Uh, that dude that puts mayonnaise in his hair, I wouldn't come within... Like, if I was going on vacation to name a city off the top of your head, Mark. Uh, Chattanooga. If I was going to Chattanooga for vacation and I found out that that jackass lived in Knoxville, oh, I, I wouldn't even go. I mean, you, you I'm not getting that, that close to some guy that's got mayonnaise in his hair. You know what he'd say if you got close to him? Oh, hold on. Oh, jeez. This sounds weird. You want to touch it? (laughs) (laughs) 
No and regrets. Your response would be what, Jake? <laughs> no regrets to that. Zach Kiefer joins us in ten. This sounds weird. You want to touch it? Uh, a new, fan. new gig for Zach Kiefer. Is that right, Kevin? New gig. We've not had him on yet to discuss. Uh, I think still will be hanging around this market, though, but looking forward to that. He had a really cool Indy 500 story as well that I want to talk with him about. Um, quickly, Jake, I know we're up against it, but in kind of a Cliff Notes version, I know a lot of people saw the headline yesterday of Connor Daly and Ed Carpenter Racing mutually parting ways. Your thoughts? Uh, Connor Daly, very popular driver. Uh, excellent driver at the Indianapolis 500, unquestionably. And, you know, you have, the, of course, the curveball that Connor Daly's stepfather is Doug Bowles, and Doug Bowles is the president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which was previously owned by the family of Ed Carpenter. So there's a lot of connection, almost like probably cousins feeling between the two of them. Um, but Ed Carpenter announcing yesterday that Connor is being relieved of his duties as a driver. I would anticipate that Linus Lundquist, who is the reigning then Indy Lights, now known as Indy Next Champion, who has scholarship money from that championship uh, and has tested, will likely get some races now in that car. And I like Connor a great deal, as I know a lot of people do. And Connor probably would be the first to tell you that the results simply weren't there. Um, the team itself has struggled this year, but they decided to make that change. And um, I think Connor Daly will still have an opportunity to drive in the series, in particular next year. But uh, Ed Carpenter making what I know for him was a difficult decision. Uh, top 10s each of the last two years in the 500. You look at the other 20-some races, I believe just one top 10 for Connor Daly. But to be fair to him, it's not like Ed Carpenter Racing and Renus VK have you know, lit the world on fire with their results either but certainly an interesting move mid-season with 10 races to go for ed carpenter racing zach Kiefer on the other side you're listening to kevin inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan Nine o'clock hours underway in Indianapolis. Technically speaking, the nine o'clock hour underway everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. Uh, it's Kevin and Query here at ninety-three five one zero seven five. The Fan joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Regular guest of the program, but with a new assignment, a new umbrella under which he's working. Zach Kiefer, congratulations on the new move. I will let you, since I think it's the first time we've had you on since the change, uh, let our listeners know of the new title and responsibilities that you will now be undertaking. Yeah, it's good to hear from you guys. Good to be back on with you guys. Um, new job after nine years covering the Colts for both the Indianapolis Star and then the Athletic. I'm sort of an NFL writer now, um, kind of covering the league at large, a national features writer for the Athletic. Essentially just going to find the most interesting stories and possibly the most interesting leagues and, and telling them. So, um, had a good run with the Colts, but uh, it's going to be fun, and it's going to be a fun challenge to kind of branch out and do some things different. You know, speaking of that, Zach, in terms of challenge and fun, uh, I, I don't know the number of years that you were on the Colts beat, but it was, you know, a handful of them at minimum, right? Um, was this past year the most challenging and at the same time the most just bizarre storylines spawning off on a regular basis of any that you covered? Yeah, it was, and and it, it wasn't it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun for the players. It wasn't fun for the fans. It wasn't fun for us. And look, like and KB can speak to this. 
we've been through the ringer before. Like, a challenging season is nothing new. I mean, we were there August 24th of 2019 when maybe the most surprising thing in the last 10 years of the NFL happened. We cover, you know, the, the fake punt situation and the Ryan Griggs and Chuck Pagano dilemma. And I can go on and on and on, and I won't, but, you know, we're used to the roller coaster ride that has been the Colts the last six or seven years. Last year was a completely different animal. I was talking to someone the other day, and they were listing all the things we sort of went through, and I had forgotten half of them. That's how crazy it was. So last year was, was certainly a challenge unique to its own. Again, Zach Kiefer with us. More of a national role now with The Athletic, an unbelievably talented feature writer, well-deserved. Zach joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Zach, when should we look for your first kind of centric piece, I guess, nationally slash, I mean, no one listens to the show. You want to share any uh, any ideas that you're, uh, th- th- that you're thinking about? I'll give you guys this. I, I'm in the middle of it right now. It's it's consumed me the last couple of weeks. I'm going to turn it in tomorrow. I'm not sure when it'll run, but it's it's a pretty wild story. I've been chasing it for four or five months, and I finally was able to sort of get it in the last month or so. It, it's pretty wild. It, it's a name you know about. It's a story you've heard but haven't really heard, and it's 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 pretty different. So uh, look for that in the next couple of weeks. Can you tell us which city you might be in, or which city this impacts? Uh, it's not Indianapolis, but it's in the Midwest. I, I'm not doing a very good job of teasing the story, am I? No, no. I I mean, come on, Zach. No, no one's. I mean, you think anybody in this market's going to challenge you? You think anybody's even listening? Yeah. This is the top-rated sports program in Indianapolis <laughs> every morning. A lot, every lot morning. of competitions, Zach. It's the only sports radio <laughs> program in Indianapolis every morning. <laughs> uh, uh, well, we, we'll be looking for that. I did, uh, to lead off, mention I thought your Indy 500 angle was pretty cool. For those that missed it, uh, let us know what your race day looked like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, this was fun. Um, and you guys know this. Jake, you know this. Well, I guess you probably don't. I don't know when the last time you watched the race from the media center was. but And I don't want to sound like a spoiled kid here, but it's, it's just not the same. It's, it's not that fun. You sit in, and I've done this for 10 years, you sit in the media center and it's nice and air-conditioned and quiet. And you watch on TV. And it's the best way to sort of cover the, the race and if you want to be on top of everything. But you kind of lose the essence of the Indianapolis 500. And and that's what I missed from going all those years as a kid. And so I said, you know what? No one's going to tell me, no, I'm just going to go out and watch from the bleachers, from the stands and turn one and write about it. So I sort of chronicled the entire day and and I hooked up with a fun tailgate crew that, that does it the right way. Um, And it was sort of a day in the life and it was so fun and refreshing for me to get out of the media center and just go watch it as a fan again. It was it was revitalizing in a way. So that was sort of the story to kind of see it through those eyes again. And honestly, I, I'm not dying to go back to the media center after that. Uh, speaking, by the way, of the Indy 500, this just out about five minutes ago. Ed Carpenter Racing announcing that the next Indy car race, the Bit Nile Machine. And that's significant because that means the sponsor stayed with the team. That Connor Daly, that car that Connor Daly is now out of, Ryan Hunter Ray will really? pilot that car. Uh, Ryan Hunter Ray will drive it. So not opting for use at the Grand Prix and Road America. I, I still think Linus Lundquist is going to be in play, 
but Ryan Hunter Ray, who we mentioned earlier, was a possibility um, going to be in that car. Zach, for most important question then for me, when you were out experiencing the fan experience of the Indy 500, you did listen to the radio network call of the race while you were in the stands drinking beer, correct? Oh, yeah. You can't watch the race any other way. And, and Jake, I am not just saying this to toot your horn, man. Like, that is part of my race day tradition. I think it's one of the best broadcasts in sports, certainly on a local level. But I know you guys touch people all over the country, all over the world. I don't know how you guys do it. There's so much happening. The cars are going by so fast, so many different colors. I don't know how you guys do it. But without you guys, I don't have a clue what's going on. Well, I appreciate it. It's a, it's a pretty easy broadcast to do. It's a ton of fun. And... Um, I do think that the Indy 500 and probably Major League Baseball are the two things that are still really married to radio. I, I mean, no question about that. Um, Zach, I'm curious for to kind of get a glimpse behind the curtain for people. When you are now a feature writer, which means that your skill, which and your skill truly is to uncover and tell stories kind of beyond the story of an athlete or an event, how do you find, what would you say is more often than not the means in which you find and unearth stories? Is it, and, and what percent of the stories that are presented to you as a tip actually become a column? Yeah, that's a good question. And honestly, Jake, you know, I think to start with, you have to be a perpetually curious person. Like you have to always be looking and interested in things. And, and I don't think that's a problem with you. Actually, no, it's not. You know, one of my tips is, Listen to people you trust. And, and I'll tell the listeners a story real quick. What was it, five, six, eight years ago, Jake? You're like, look, I know about this boxer who won a gold medal and works out in Indy, and no one even knows about him. So what did I do? I, I got his number from you, and I went and found him. Sugar Ray Steels. He's blind. He's got no money. He needs a ride to this gym every day. And he carries an Olympic gold medal with him in his pocket everywhere he goes. And that was a really cool story. A lot of people had no idea about it. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Pacers paid, after the story came out, the Indiana Pacers found out about him and paid for his surgery. So that was pretty cool. Um, to kind of put a bow on your, your point, um, there's so many stories that hit the NFL and then just fade away in 25, 24 hours. You know, like, it's such a fast-moving league, and there's so many stories that are in the national conversation for such a short amount of time, and then we move on to the next one. I mean, there was a couple this week that I don't know if we're going to be talking about Isaiah Rogers next week besides those of us in Indianapolis, and that's a very fascinating story about what happened and where it goes from here. But um, when I started the new job, I had a list of about 25 to 30 stories I wanted to jump on. You know, it, it, not everyone works out. Not everyone wants to talk, but... Um, you, you keep swinging and you hit a couple and it's fun, but I'll be bouncing around to some NFL training camps, sort of profiling some of the more interesting players around the league. Um, and it's going to be fun, but you're right in my job. It's about sports. Yes. But I've always thought of it in a different way. It's always been a little bit more about the people involved in sports. Can Zach Kiefer transitioning here to more of a national role with The Athletic? He joins us on the Payless Circus Hotline. Zach, you, you touched a little bit on it there, but I kind of want to expand. Like, How much do you think that Isaiah Rogers story or just the gambling violations that we've seen around the NFL, how much does that intrigue you as a storyline? Yeah, because I want to get the honesty from the players. Like, I really want to get a player to come out and say we had no idea. And The Athletic's Kalen Collar. Has, has sort of dipped into this. Like, 
how much are the players warned about the gambling? Do they know the rules? Because I can almost guarantee you they don't know all the rules. They didn't know that they couldn't do it on the team's facilities site. Um, and it, it, it's just this messy web that the NFL is trying to balance both sides of the coin, and they're not doing it, right? They're welcoming DraftKings, and they're welcoming all these different draft sites because it's making them a boatload of money, and then they're going to drop the hammer on players. Now, I agree that players shouldn't be gambling on their own game, for sure. But if you're not educating them, then you're failing, you're failing your, your workforce. So I just think, it, I think this is the tip of the iceberg. I think Isaiah Romer, Rogers is going to get I, – I don't know if he's going to play football in the NFL again. If he was betting on Colts games and if he was betting on them to lose, that might be really hard to come back from because this is something the NFL just doesn't mess around with. But I do think there's a lot of responsibility on the league's part to do more to educate their players as they welcome in this new gambling era, essentially. You know, Zach, here's a dumb question for you, but I'm perpetually curious, right? Um, and I mean that in a good way. I appreciate you saying that. The... Do you think at any point, like if, for example, if Isaiah Rogers is suspended indefinitely or banned indefinitely from the NFL, will the NFL Players Association at any point take up not defending gambling, but simply ask for a definitive layout where it is in writing, for example, that every player has been educated, told, and then has to sign a document saying, I hereby understand the rules here? Or do you think that's already taken place? I don't know if it has taken place, which is really concerning. Now, I'm not a player. I wasn't in those meetings. But I absolutely think the NFLPA will fight on that behalf. They're not going to get up there and say gambling is okay. But I think they absolutely will fight on that behalf. And my prediction is probably an indefinite suspension, and he'll probably be reinstated in a year or two. Um, but we got to know the specifics, and the specifics are very important because when I first found out a Colts player was gambling on last season, and I'm thinking late November, December, when they were just falling apart and they weren't playing for the coach. And I don't need to go back into all of this. You guys watched this season. It was a disaster. There was just, you know, those late season games. Like, I flew out to New York to watch them just get murdered. And it's like, how would anybody think the Colts are going to win those games? So if he gambled against his team, that's, that's a huge problem. That's, that's, that's the issue that I think the NFL will never be able to get over. So... I think more education needs to happen, and I think the NFLPA reps, the players, and then above them will fight hard for more education on behalf of the players because Isaiah's not alone. He's not the first guy to bet on games during the season, and he's not going to be the last either. Hopefully the NFL can curtail this, but they need to be educated better because the gambling is coming in. I mean, there's stadiums named after sports books right now, and there's the official gambling party partner of the Indianapolis Colts and the NFL, and the NFL, if it wants to protect that competitive balance, they need to address this better with the players because these guys are young and they don't know. I have always said, Zach, to me, like people say, they're like, well, what's the problem if a guy's gambling on his own team? And the thing that I always say is the problem is not that a player gambles on the team they're playing for. It's the implication when they don't. Once you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, hey, this guy's yeah. this guy's wagered on the Colts for ten straight weeks, and now all of a sudden he didn't put anything down. Well, hell, it almost bet- says more. Right, that's the issue to me, and I think that's yeah, what got Pete Rose. It's it's the perception because the NFL they know they know two things. They know one, 
the gambling is, is part of the interest, right? Like, part of the reason we all have jobs in the media is, is partly because of fantasy football and the gambling interest on this sport. There's no better sport to gamble on because you don't know what's going to happen. And the NFL is very aware of that. And they're very aware of the interest. I mean, what is it, 47 of the top 50 primetime shows every year are NFL football games. Why? Because it's the greatest reality show in the world. And so they want to protect that. They want to protect that. And any sort of gambling interest on behalf of the players, whether it's for their team or against their team or not gambling after previously gambling like you just alluded to, it's that perception that something is fixed or something is rigged or it's not completely competitive. And they, they have to fight that because that's the most sacred thing. And in talking to Jim Irsay over the years, like not specifically about gambling, but protecting the shield and protecting the sanctity of the game, the owners will take this immensely seriously because they know what the bottom line is. Zach, last one from me, and as a subscriber to The Athletic, I selfishly hope you are the one to discover this, or I guess, you know, undiscover it, if you will, uh, because I I, want to read it. When do we, or how will we get a Jeff Saturday tell-all and his experience (laughs) with the Colts? I don't know if my motivation's there to go go back. Um, I think I was asked the same question by JMV a month ago. Um, I've reached out to Jeff. I don't think he's talked to anybody, to be honest. I'm kind of wondering when he comes back to ESPN. But we have struck out as ended, well, just so you know. And he's he's your one of the most amazing things in all of this is that he came on your radio show the day <laughs> he accepted the job. Like that is so bizarre. Um, I, I expect him back on ESPN one of these days. But the funny thing is, the more time that has passed since the season, the more things that have trickled out that I've heard, and and it's just. I just cannot believe that was an NFL season for an NFL. It was just such a chaotic cluster of a year. Um, I would love to read that story, too. I'm on it. I'm trying. He's staying quiet. I'm not sure if that's part of the deal, but um, I'd love to see it, too. But just give me a couple weeks to get away from the Colts and breathe and maybe collect my, my thoughts because it was um, that year took, it took years off my life. A break from the chaos. This is Zach Kiefer has right now, but he is on the hunt searching for some other stories, and it sounds like we'll get one from him coming up here in the next couple of days or so. Zach, congrats, man. Um, so, so beyond well-deserved. I said it to you. I've said it to so many people. Uh, it was a shock to me how long you stayed on the Colts beat because you're just so freaking talented that uh, you need to be doing big, big feature stuff on more of a national level. So good luck with that, and hopefully we can still have you on. For sure. Always happy to come on. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Zach Kiefer, Payless Liquors Hotline. Jake, when do we get the Jeff Saturday tell-all? Boy. Is this an NFL Live in July sit-down with Diana Russini or somebody like that? You know... Seth Wickersham, isn't he the big feature guy for ESPN? That's a good question. I Does he want to do that? You think if we asked him to come back on in the fall, every Monday, he'd do it? No. I think Jeff Saturday... Because he was upset at our comments or more than that? Or, I guess, another reason? Honestly, I think Jeff Saturday had a love affair, and I mean this in a good way, with the city of Indianapolis that was two-sided. And I think that he feels like... The city cheated on him, and I, I just and it's 
he his pride is hurt. How did we uh, cheat on him? I think he thought that well, cheated is the wrong word. In other words, what I'm saying is I think he probably feels like that relationship has been soured because you know, I mean there was a petition to make sure he wasn't hired. So I think he I think he and I, I, I get this. I, I I understand where he's coming from, but I think his thought was, guys, like I love I love your city. I, I've done everything for that city. I won a Super Bowl for that city. I came back because the owner felt like the the franchise needed a trusted voice to do to try to get things going in the right direction. And I tried. And I came back and I was trying my best and I was trying to to do the right thing and be a good guy. And you guys all turned around and started calling in radio shows saying I should be fired. Like, I deserve better than that. Doesn't that come with the territory when you sign up for it? I don't disagree, but I'm just telling you what I think, how I think. I don't know that he feels that way. Right. I just, I have a feeling that's how he feels. Be interesting. I mean, to me, it screams great ESPN July story if he is indeed going back on air there. Um, Maybe I'll take another swing at that plate here and strike out with that here in the next few weeks. <laughs> strike out with that. Yeah, backwards looking K. You know, he I, honestly, know like, it is interesting, though, how Saturday, you know, the last video that he, that he sent that I know of, at least, you know, he was like on a boat, looked like he was in Georgia somewhere. Yeah, the day Steichen got hired. And like, that was it, man. You just don't hear from him since, right? Yeah. And I, I mean, I think he mostly keeps that sort of profile, but if he is indeed going to go back onto ESPN, you would think in some way, some capacity, they would want to kind of hype that up. And I would think during the quiet months of or quiet weeks of July, I think that would be the perfect time leading into the season because I do think he is a tremendous asset for ESPN. First off, I think he's really good on air, clearly. I I was a huge fan of every time he came on this show, but his perspective now is exactly what you would want. I mean, there's NFL firings every year in October and November, probably more November into December, right. and now he's got that exact thing that you'd be looking for in terms of sharing his own thoughts on that. Uh, thank you to Zach Kiefer. Thank you to Scott Agnes again. Dave Burkett earlier covers the Lions. They have had their fair share of gambling violation stories here over the last few weeks. Um, he gave us some education on kind of their version of it. Um, so those will all be up on the podcast. Pop quiz here in a few. That is 317-239-1070. Before we get into the morning checkdown, talking about game three, let's go back to what you said kind of mid-interview there with Zach. Uh, Ryan Hunter Ray now in the car for Connor Daly here for the rest rest of the season, or is this just for Road America? I, I don't know exactly what the press release. Well, I'll read you exactly how they worded it. Now, what's Said. interesting to me is okay. This from Ed Carpenter Racing, NTT IndyCar Series champion Ryan Hunter Ray joins Ed Carpenter Racing as driver of the number twenty Bitnile.com Chevrolet. RHR's debut for the team will be at next weekend's Sancio Grand Prix at Road America. Um. Then it attaches to, let's see, It. I'm trying to, I'm reading it, sorry, as we go along here. I was surprised when I got the call from 
Ed, he described how frustrated he was that his team has not been able to realize its potential despite their efforts, investments, and as well as technical and personal changes over the past few years and asked for my help. Ed and I are very close friends and have been for a long time. I've worked with the team in the past, and they're a very talented group with high expectations and a commitment partner in bitnile.com. So it doesn't specify for how long this would be. Linus Lundquist is the name that I think you know many people thought was going to be in there because he is he has scholarship money, he's a lights champion, but it's possible that maintaining Bitnile and and I think probably this is where with Connor and Ed, if there was any sort of a back and forth, it would be I think Connor Daly Connor Daly is the one that brought Bitnile.com on board, I believe. And so if I'm Connor, I'm probably saying, hey, that's my sponsor, not a team sponsor. And if I'm the team, I'm saying, no, it's a team sponsor, not your sponsor. And that probably is where there are some things to be ironed out. So a week from Sunday, correct? Back on the track at Road America? Correct. And 10 races to go here in the 2023 season. Mutual parting of ways, Connor Daly and Ed Carpenter Racing announced yesterday. All right, uh, let's hit a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. By the way, um, Todd Alt, who is the executive chairman of BitNile, had the following to say, It's great for BitNile.com to be aligned with an Indy 500 winner and an NTT IndyCar Series champion. I have followed Ryan's career for years, and I'm confident he will challenge the entire ECR team to perform at higher levels. I wish everyone luck at Road America. Uh, he was, I think, brought to the series and introduced to it by Connor Daly. So that probably, um, for Connor Daly, that's got to sting a little bit. And I don't mean that as a slight to Connor, who I like at all. I, I understand both sides of it. The sting last night in Miami was felt certainly in the third quarter. A five-point lead for Denver grew to double digits, and it pretty much stayed that way the rest of the way. Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, each of them with 30-point triple doubles. That is the first time in NBA playoff history that has happened. Could we be getting co-MVPs here if Denver continues this and those two continue it? Or do you think Jokic will still carry more of it? I think Jokic. Uh, Murray, I thought, was sensational last night. But it all kind of facilitates through Jokic, right? Nikola. We learned that. Rookie Christian Brown, really big off the bench for Denver as well. Uh, Game four coming up on Friday goes without saying the magnitude of that one for the Miami. Uh, By the way, Major League Baseball last night, New York Yankees and Philadelphia Phillies had their games postponed due to poor air quality because of the wildfires from Canada. Reds over the Dodgers 8-6. Okay, Diamondbacks over the Nationals 6-2. They're a half game back. louder and prouder. Come on. They're a half game back of cute fella. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Milwaukee beat the Orioles 10-2. Athletics won. Kevin Studley trying to throw his hat in the ring for the PBR, right? Yeah. Don't look now. Here they come. (laughs) 9-5 winners. You want to touch it? Okay, that was after a two-game winning streak. Imagine Honestly, like, they were touching that home base. They, they were touching that home base a whole lot. Nine-five athletics over the Pirates yesterday. Indianapolis Indians uh, losers to the Omaha Storm Chasers. Nine-seven. Don't those guys have a storm to chase somewhere else? So Ellie De La Cruz homer and triple yesterday. He is the youngest player in Major League Baseball history with three extra base hits or more in his first two games of a career since Manny Machado in 20. 20- 
twelve. Comeback win for the Reds. Don't look now, Mark. Don't look now, but here come the Red Lakes. <laughs> Very good the last You have days. been generous. It's about time you showed some integrity with that sound. This sounds weird. You want to touch it? <laughs> okay. uh, just, I mean, it's summer break. Got kids in the car at all hours, man. Uh, Indiana State, they're going to get their Super Regional underway. That is coming up on, I should double check this. It's Friday, right? Six o'clock first pitch. Uh, I believe it's ESPNU. Uh, five o'clock Friday, ESPNU. Saturday will be 6 o'clock on ESPNU. So that's game one and game two. You got to win two of three. If there is a game three, that would be on Sunday with TCU. We mentioned this earlier. Jake, uh, Terre Haute, of course, hosting the state Summer Olympic Games this weekend. Thousands of athletes. Special Olympics. Special Olympics. Thank you. Um, Thousands of athletes, coaches, volunteers, etc. And the TCU fans have, you know, honestly benefited from that hosting and that they get to now host the Super Regional. They helped raise the final number is what twenty three, twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, for special, I don't, I don't know the number, but for TCU to even think of that, right? Yes. Like, hey, listen, we know this sucks for you guys, uh, so we want to. I just thought it was a very kind gesture by the TCU fan base. Makes you kind of like Agreed. TCU, right? Yeah, TCU is a baseball team and won eight straight. The run scored in those eight games, 16, 14, 6, 12, 12, 20, and 12. Have you been on the TCU campus before? No, Fort Worth, correct? Yeah, and let me tell you. Like, I mean, it's immaculate. Beautiful campus. Brand, I mean, it looks like it's brand new. It's not, but it looks brand new. It's gorgeous. And again, the sound of a horned frog, Mark. Oh, well, I have to pull that up again. Well, gee, how is that not readily available? Oh, well, I had to do yours that you said earlier. That was an all time. What? You know what you said? <laughs> Oklahoma this softball. Sounds weird. You want to touch it? <laughs> that uh, one. One. That is not what I was asking for. That's what she said. I, of the of the audio snafus that you decide to just play at will and at random to mock the two of us kevin is in the lead here right uh, he's yeah yeah for the one that kind of like to be buttoned up yeah he's got no. quite a few. <laughs> mark no that was not howard dean <laughs> oh you want that one you said the frog yeah that's what i think of when i think of a horn frog i think of mr dean <laughs> thank you that's what i have uh, horn frog jumping out of the water like that didn't they tell us that we were going to have access to buttons for audio at at some okay. point i smell like an egg salad sandwich didn't they tell but us it that? really really works but then you would you want all the access to this you want all all that coming at you Oh, Game three tonight. A-E-A-I. A die, a die, a die. Stanley Cup final. Fort Lauderdale you like, action. You have like my broadcast excellence, which is vast. Oh, I, God. I, I've been doing this show now for a, a, I don't know what a year and a half. I think you've accumulated two clips of me. Two. Oh. That's certainly yeah. <laughs> two. Do you really want to play that game? Mark, you surprised Florida Panthers minus one twenty tonight as a favorite? Uh, yeah, I am actually because they've they got their doors blown off the other day against the. Uh, pa- the they uh, seem to Knights. have a they seem to have a problem with, um, like the Florida Panthers in the in the first two games here have Antonio Cromartie as their goalkeeper, right? Boy, yeah, you go a lot of directions with that one. Yeah, which certainly. one of you guys wants to lick the knife? <laughs> Pop quiz is next. Three on seven, two three nine ten seven. He is. A moron.
Scott Johnston wearing his Reds attire today. That includes the... He looks glorious. That That's the old school Reds hat, which is the way to do it. None of that like dark lining around the sea crap. Like that's Jose Rijo. Oh, man, that's Big Red Dave Machine. Dave Concepcion. Is he running around in that hat? De La Cruz is fun to watch. Don't look now, but here come the red legs. He's fun to watch. When I was a kid, we were in the Kapok Tree restaurant in Clearwater, Florida. I think it was Clearwater. Dave Concepcion was in the restaurant, and I went up and got his autograph. I've never seen this before nor since. He signed his name right to left. Gosh. Was there a... Like backwards or like, like he wrote it backwards? Like... Like he started with the N? No, like he... He started on the right side of the sheet of paper and then wrote the D moving to the left and wrote it, yeah, right to left. Like it's So he started with the letter N? I'll show you. No. He, he, so he started like with D, so he wrote it backwards then. It was like this. Correct. He wrote it backwards. Like, so you're reading right to left. So if you held it to a mirror, it would look the right way. Got it. Like that. Don't they do that in some foreign up countries? Uh, clearly, he's uh, is he from Nicaragua? Venezuela. Venezuela. Wait, Venezuela. There's a lot of Venezuelan MLB players. Yeah. That World Baseball Classic. I enjoyed that World Baseball Classic. Just it was fun to like kind of look at the rosters and be like, wow, there's this many, you know, you know, separating the Dominican Republic and and you know players from Cuba and you know for me at, at times it can be difficult. Um, that was kind of cool to see. By the way, this is not on the pop quiz, but I I looked this up last night because I got curious. Again, I'm perpetually curious. Um, Christian Brown of the Denver Nuggets. Scotty, he has a chance to become just the fifth player to do what? Put Scotty on the clock. Scotty says he doesn't know. Kevin? Well, that was a quick shake of the head. Uh, the, others, the others being Bill Russell, Magic Johnson, Billy Thompson... And I'm missing one. I've got a. Th- It'll come to me eventually. Those are three of the four. So Christian Brown was. I'm Chris, to okay, hold on. Christian Brown. Okay, he left Kansas after. Bill Russell, freshman. Magic Johnson, Henry Bibby, and Billy Thompson. The only four players in basketball history. They wanted all of Kansas to accomplish a feat that Christian Brown could do this year. Win, win a college and NBA title before a certain age. Win a college and NBA title in back-to-back seasons. Interesting. Hmm. He would be the fifth player to do that. Wow, that, that's a, well. I guess fifth is it, probably it, a fair number because when you think you about it, there's probably two or three drafted guys off of a national champion every year. And here's the thing: a lot of times, if they were they like a star player, high, correct. So they're going teams. to yeah. now Magic's case. You know, it's kind of the anomaly, right? Boy, but read off those names again. No, no, none of them are recent. Bill Russell, Magic Johnson, Henry Bibby, Billy Thompson. Billy Thompson was eighty six, eighty seven. So nobody in the last thirty Correct. some years. Yeah, nobody in your lifetime. Interesting. Uh, yeah, Christian Brown, huge last night. Fifteen off the bench for the Nuggets. All right, it's time for the pop quiz. That's three one seven two three nine ten seventy. Jiffy Lube oil change. We are giving away. The quiz looks very difficult. Uh, Jake, a number one through eight. Uh, three. Colin. Colin. No, this is Steve. Oh, well, uh, well uh, Steve. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell, Steve, Mark Mark's just looking for animal sounds to play. Good morning, Steve. Hey, 
I'm calling you from Peyton Manning's favorite city. Oh. Denver? No. Omaha. Look at no. that. Wow. Steve, nice. give us a couple Omahas like you're at the line of scrimmage right now. Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> Now, Steve, what... Are you getting parking for the College World Series? Other than I-80, what takes you to Omaha? Um, I had to go to a symposium at UNL, which is what they call Nebraska in the state. Now, Omaha itself, nice city, not a nice city. I hear it's underrated. Uh, Actually, I just flew into Omaha and then took I-80 out to Lincoln. Gotcha. Okay. Wait, so they call Nebraska UNL? Yeah, Nebraska Lincoln. I, I just assumed that, I mean, you, you call IU, IUB in the state? I mean, you got Nebraska Kearney or Kearney or however they say it. You have Nebraska Omaha. Uno, yeah. Steve, you ever been to the College World Series? Uh, no, I've never been to the College World Series. I, I, However, I assume you'll be leaving I, Omaha before it starts next week? That's correct. I'm en route to the airport right now, but I have been to 114 NCAA tournament basketball games. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That's wow. pretty impressive. What what city, non-Indiana state, or non-Indianapolis, have you been to the most? Uh, Lexington and Louisville. Checks. That checks out. Wow. wow 114. How many Final Fours, Steve? Uh, six Final Fours, five national championship games. Why? <laughs> Why? Like why? Well, I mean, why, do you have like a passion in particular for the for the tournament? Uh, are there other bucket list items that rival that? It's fascinating. Why, why does Mark why, why does Mark go to the Indians game ten times a week? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> well, probably to make sure the kids so, stay so sane. Steve goes for the beer bat is what we're getting at. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, Steve. Good for that you. That is very cool. Uh, Steve, one thing I love about you, amongst many things, because I've known you for a number of of years now. It, starting out in the radio capacity is that you are not native to indianapolis but you have absolutely embraced and soaked in all of the sporting events that come through here when our city is showcased and it is much appreciated uh would you like for me that would be jake to lead you off with question number one or for kevin to lead you off with question number one i'd I'd like kevin and i like to offer an apology for kevin for not delivering tomato plants on carb day i had a special assignment on carb day which prevented me from attending Steve, uh, apology accepted. Uh, that's not needed. Your gener- generosity the previous year still uh, has a shining light in my eyes. And you know what? Carb day, your boy wasn't maybe in the uh, best shape either. So <laughs> totally get that. I'll see you next May. Should we begin? You're leading off question oh, one, Kevin. sorry. That sounds uh, weird. You want to touch it? <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> don't talk to God, Steve. Unbelievable. Like uh, all right, Steve here, number one, live from Omaha, 841 in Omaha, right? Central time out there. At Nikola Jokic, 32, 21, and 10. It is crazy to read off those numbers. Uh, last night in game three, it's the first 30, 20, 10 triple-double in finals history and just the third in NBA playoff history. Name one of the two Hall of Famers to record a 30-20-10 triple-double in a playoff game. Uh, Michael Jordan. How about one more guess? Tall uh, people. Pardon me? Tall people. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Nice. Okay, question number two. Jokic and Jamal Murray are the first teammates in NBA history to re- to each record 30-point triple-doubles in the same game in a regular season or playoff. Name the last pair of teammates to each have 30 points and 10 assists in the same NBA playoff game. Was it A, LeBron and Kyrie, 
B, The Big O and Kareem. C, Clyde the Glide Drexler and Terry Porter. Or D, Magic Johnson and Kareem. I would say probably go with the least likely pair of the four. Clyde Drexler and Terry Porter. Okay. All right, Steve, number three here. Jokic has scored exactly 100 points in his first three career NBA Finals game, the fifth most in league history. Of the four other players who have scored 100 or more points over their first three Finals games, which one has scored the most? A, Giannis. B, Allen Iverson. C, Willis Reed. Or D, Rick Barry. Uh, Giannis. Okay, question number four for you, Steve. Ellie De La Cruz hit a two-run homer in the first, and Will Benson hit a walk-off homer shot in the ninth as the Reds beat the Dodgers 8-6 last night. It was the first career Major League home run for both. When is the last time the Reds had two players hit their first career home runs in the same game? I will tell you it was two years before the Indianapolis Motor Speedway began development. 1968, 1907, 1893, or it's never happened before. 1907. Steve, what's your favorite NCAA tournament game you've ever been to and your favorite NCAA tournament venue? Uh, my favorite NCAA tournament game would be the Butler versus Duke National Championship game. Lucky to be there. And uh, favorite venue, uh, I would have to say, was McHale Arena in Arizona. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Is that where Arizona plays? Is that right? That is where the Arizona Wildcats play, and I got to see Lute Olson coach there many times. Yeah, they named the court after him. Cool, cool. All right, number five here to round it out. On this day in 1955, future Hall of Fame pitcher Sandy Koufax joined the Brooklyn Dodgers. To make room for Koufax on the roster, the Dodgers optioned another future Hall of Famer who would get hit by a bat in an All-Star game to their AAA affiliate in Montreal. Name the player who was sent down to the minors and also got sent to the turf one time. I... I I have no idea. Pedro Martinez's least mm-hmm. favorite yeah. manager. He was the third, third base coach, right, when he got hit? Yep. Got nothing for you. You throwing in the oh, towel? No, Pe- Pedro Martinez's guy was Don Zimmer, wasn't it? Isn't that who Pedro Martinez threw to the ground? This guy got hit by an errant bat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Harvey, game. Harvey King. All right, Steve. Decent Arby's effort. wall bangers, baby. Till the end. Jake, first to right. Kareem or Wilt for your 30-20-10 triple uh, doubles in a playoff meat. game. I'm blowing Mark. <laughs> okay. You said you, had, uh, you wanted to see if I had more than two. Drexler so. and Terry Porter was correct. For well, I'm always highly two. impressed with myself. That is true. 1907 was correct for nineteen or for question number four. But uh, yesterday, did you happen to watch? I, I saw the Alpha Hitchcock movie. Th- those are th- those are excellent people. Just yesterday, somebody came up to me. They said your British accent's out. Do not poke the bear. Rick Jake Barry for question number three, and it was Tommy Lasorda for question number it's three and five. Steve, safe travels home, man. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. (laughs) If you've got problems with your nips. Okay, see that one? Not your nips, that's for sure.
I was going to say, let's hit a break, but Mark, if you've got more, just oh. empty it no, out. You, you, he's exhausted all of them. Yeah. Nope, uh, that's it. We'll do one final time here, Kevin Corey. Wyoming Cowboys, poke, poke. I am an absolute metrosexual when it comes to shower gels, skin lotions, hair product. It, it's, it's an issue. Jake, I thought this is a nice um, gesture here by the Colts. Tomorrow, they are hosting a free CPR class for local high school athletic trainers um, at their team complex. Um, you know, you think back to the DeMar Hamlin situation, I distinctly remember saying on that Tuesday morning after that game, saying, if there is a place in the world for this to have happened to a guy like DeMar Hamlin outside of a hospital, an NFL football field is probably the second best place for that to have occurred. No question. And unfortunately... Um, you don't have the same sort of medical personnel available at a high school sporting event, certainly even at you know local soccer, t-ball, you know rec league sort of games for kids growing up. So um, nice job by the Colts here in making sure that from a high school athletic trainer standpoint, everybody would be certified, and if something like that happens, hopefully they can mitigate it as best as possible. Yeah, that's um, and it's free. Which you love to see. You know, you know, two things, and I'm not. I'm being totally serious here. Two things that that I probably should take a class in as well, because it seems like it wouldn't be totally difficult to learn. One is CPR, and then the other. You're going to laugh when I say this, Kevin. Is the Heimlich? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, you seemingly the Heimlich. You kind of know what to do, but I, is there? A, I don't know. Is there a definitive way to do it? You know yeah, what I mean? Honestly, right after the Hamlin thing, and you know, anytime you have a young kid and in, in, in Max's case is starting to eat some table food, it's like always a reminder of like, man, I should probably brush up on that stuff. Yeah. So one night I literally sat there and not that this is like the exact class I should be taking, but I just dialed up YouTube and just how to, you know how to do the Heimlich, how to administer CPR, you know, steps to take in that. I, I watched probably like 20, 30 minute worth of videos just to say, all right, you know, in case you're in this situation, I, I remember my niece was choking on a pretzel. Oh, it's going to be terrible. We were on vacation one year and her mom is a nurse and luckily was right there. But you want to talk about quite the scene for 10 to 15 seconds before yeah. that was taken care of. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think it's if, – if nothing else, again, just dial up YouTube if you're not able to me- me- make it to a class. Do you know something else I've always thought about in terms of, like, to learn? I've always felt this way. It should be a rule in every, like, first world nation – I mean, every nation, ideally, but – if everyone, if it was required in school that you had to learn sign language, that's the one language that would be universal. So if, if everyone knew, if you knew sign language in the United States, yeah, that that's a really good point. And then like people in France, if kids in France also had to learn sign language, yeah, I mean, verbally speaking, you're signing for the the sounds of different words, but if the meaning was the same all the way through, then it's the one language that would be universal. I've always felt like every major country should, starting in like kindergarten, teach kids you learn sign language in school. By the time you're 18, if you're quote-unquote fluent in sign language, you're fluent in a worldwide language. Yeah, I mean, we can't even get on the same page in this three-hour show. You think the whole world can get on the same page there? <laughs> it's probably a good point. 
We'd be trying to learn something in sign language, and Mark starts playing audio clips that nobody wants to hear. Uh, and with I think this, a lot of people want to hear them. Okay. With this whole Saudi golf PJ Tour merger, I think merger is such a stupid word for it personally. I, I just think we're in such the infancy stages of all of this, and we have so many hurdles to clear before any sort of clarity develops and what the future of professional golf will look like. But what makes it really confusing about it all, the majors are not involved. The four majors, the Masters, the U.S. Open, U.S. Open's next week, British Open, PJ Championship, they're run by different governing bodies. They'll be normal as usual. And for some people, that's all they care about. Yeah, I mean... Probably yeah. your casual Jake, golf yeah. fan. Jake yeah. raises his hand. Yeah. I mean, it's a little Indy 500 versus IndyCar in general. That's exactly right. Thank you to Dave Burkett, Scott Agnes, Zach Kiefer. Those will be up on the podcast. Everybody have a great Thursday.